Are we on? Is this thing on, Super Don? What just I, happened? I just got a message. It was like, you're a live stream. Just shut down unexpectedly. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. And then it restarted? And then, so we just had to restart. So what did now you do? Put hook up, hook us up to jumper cables. How did that happen? Uh, the the hamster fell off the uh, the the, <laughs> the, the wheel running this thing. Pulled off. I don't know. The, you know, we haven't even started. The wheels have gone right. off this show already. This, this, this is going to be great. All right, go ahead and play the show. The show the uh, image there, and then we'll start. There it is. Look at that. Today on the Robert Scabell Show, Sarah Grace and Simbria Patterson joining us. And I was just going to say, I always love joking about the raw masculinity here between me and super D and we have to have that balanced out from time to time or else it's just, it's just too much. And uh, we've got a couple of great guests. Uh, Sarah Grace has written a book called journey into grace. And uh, we're going to learn about her. She was at the health freedom expo. She's awesome. Something about psychic ambulances. I, I no, we'll learn about it. It'll we'll figure it out. Y'all. Yeah. We were on this journey together. And then uh, Pete Kennedy connected me with uh Simbria Patterson in hour two, talking about more connection with your farmers, connection with your food, becoming your farmer, all of that. And there's a big event in January in Cedar City, Utah, we'll talk about as well. So that's coming up. But first and foremost, the, uh, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's fascinating. You'll find this out if you haven't figured this out already. The president of the United States is the de facto spokesperson for the pharmaceutical industrial complex and all of its products that it must sell. They must sell and you're not buying. So check out what Biden is going to try and sell you today on the show. We got that and a whole lot more coming up. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. Then the AMA after the show today, we'll get to that for those of you patron supporters. You can still sign up. We'll look forward to seeing you there. You might even win some hot sauce. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Dragon's breath looks very dangerous. So here we go. The Robert Scott Bell show starts right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Good afternoon. I'm here today with uh, my COVID team, as well as leaders from some of America's top pharmacies, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Albertsons. And we're here with a simple message. Get vaccinated. Update your, vac- your COVID vaccine. It's incredibly effective, but the truth is not enough people are getting it. We've got to change that so we can all have a safe and healthy holiday season. Virtually every COVID death in America is preventable. Virtually everyone. Almost everyone who will die from COVID this year will not be up to date on their shots or they will not have taken Paxlovid when they got sick. Well, that's it. Let's uh, call the show off today and let's get in line at CVS, Walgreens, and get some Paxlovid and uh, a booster, a jab, or if you never got one, now is the time because Biden has convinced me finally. It's did you see all the people that stood behind him, including Murthy and 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 Elmo? Was Elmo there? I thought I saw the Muppet Elmo right behind Biden, or was that Biden himself? <laughs> How sad! How desperate! To the American people, you're not buying into the shots anymore. You're not. You're not getting them. We've got, look at all these people, but wait, where'd they go? Well, I thought I had the CVS guy, but no, the Walgreens guy. No. What about the wall? They're all gone. They decided that they would vacate after Biden left because they know we see through it. You see through it. It's embarrassing, isn't it? 
the president of the so-called president of the United States shilling products for the pharmaceutical industrial complex that come with no liability. How about that? Remember, he said it was a pandemic of the, the unvaccinated. It'll be a dark winter if you don't get your jab. And here we are alive, mostly well for those of you who did not get jabbed. And they're trying to convince you somehow none of the other propaganda has worked, but this one will. We've we put Biden in a tie and he's standing up in front of a bunch of pharmacy people and Murthy and Muppets and all of that and puppets. And now it's going to work. Is anybody else embarrassed by this? Look, we we do talk about other countries from time to time. I'm embarrassed for Canadians and what they're putting up with with Justin Trudeau, which is what happens when you're nice to tyrants. I'm embarrassed for my Aussie friends and what they have to go through with their government. I'm embarrassed for my Kiwi friends in New Zealand and all that they're putting up with. These are all communist, Marxist, pharmaceutical dogmatists trying to promote good health through synthetic injections of mRNA. Buy our products. And of course, most of you will never shell out the 120, 130 bucks. They're now claiming they're going to charge for it. It'll be through third-party payers. This is another reason why I say the most dangerous thing you can have in America is really good medical insurance. Guaranteed, they'll cover that jab for you. And the taxpayers of America that have yet to be born are on the hook, indebted, enslaved to debt that they didn't have a part in creating simply because the Fed is printing money and then they're sending it to Pfizer or Moderna or you name it. And all of these uh, smiling uh, pharmacy people behind me that are no longer here are just laughing all the way to their banks while the destruction of the American health or what's left of it is, is, is on, is on. All right, Super Don, I know the first story is kind of related to this. And I don't know if you have a comment uh, about uh, the so-called president urging us to all buy into what they're selling. And it, was that as embarrassing as, as I think it is what I just witnessed there? Or are people going to now suddenly rush out? Like I, I pretended I, we were going to do try and sell me a pillow. Uh, it was a, yes. yes. The Biden pillow. Come on in, get the Biden pillow it comes with syringes. Ow. Ooh, ow. It's very prickly. I don't like it. I'm standing here with all of the pharmacy people. Yes. They've got their pillows. You know, that's the thing. You're worried about razor blades and apples for Halloween. I'm worried about pills and 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 shots and pillows from Biden. Yeah, safe holiday season, you know? I mean, yeah. Come on, get them some slack. That's all they're all about. They're really about our safety, right? All that other stuff I made up about no liability, about shots that don't work. Well, actually, now they're claiming they do work, and here's how you know. Here's how you know. Check this article out. CNN Health is reporting that COVID-19 jabs, a study about them linked. The more side effects you have, the better it works. Oh. Yeah, that's right. So you should be encouraged if you pass out and end up in the hospital and ICU. When I ended up with myocarditis, it was because the vaccine was working really, really Really well. Really well, yeah. The worse the side effects that are direct effects or adverse events, the more impressive the shot is in you. You should be happy you're suffering. Arm pain is not enough. We should admit you to the hospital with an adverse event just so you know the shot is working. And you know what this reminds me of? Those skeptics who say that homeopathy is not real and the evidence for their statement is it doesn't and can't kill you. Yeah. This well, is why 
standard that they go by with with what it is that they promote. Yeah, so if it can't kill you. It's not real. So they're consistent, I guess, in this regard, in saying the worse the adverse event, the more effective the vaccine. So if you end up dead, at least you didn't get COVID. It's a robust reaction by your immune oh, system. A robust when you're busted right out of the life chain. Yes. I'm not impressed, but yeah, there's an article about that. They're trying to actually convince you that you should be happy when you have adverse events. And they're worried about people that don't have any adverse events. They're like, Oh, what are we going to tell them? The shot doesn't work because it only works if it hurts you. And remember folks, the damage it does to your immune system. Is, well, it's, that's only the tip of the iceberg, the damage it's doing to the cardiovascular system, the brain, the nervous system, the reproductive system. There is no system that is left untouched by synthetic mRNA injections. And yet you just saw the president of the United States, so-called, surrounded by pharmacy people and Murthy and Muppets telling you that the shot works. Well, as long as it puts you in the hospital, then we have evidence it works and you have a robust antibody response. I'm telling you, you can't make this stuff up. And yet out of the mouths of pharmaceutical propagandists, including the de facto cheerleader and marketer for the pharmaceutical church, Joe Biden. With that, I'd like to shift gears immediately and get off of this topic if we can. Although if she has any comments about it, I don't mind because she's full of grace. Her last name is grace. You should know Sarah grace. She wrote a book called journey into grace, and she's got a website, Sarah K and Super Don, of all the things that we've had as far as uh, uh, topics and subjects and, and guests, I don't know that we've ever had someone who worked in, you know, as a paramedic in an ambulance that was also like psychic. A psychic paramedic. A psychic paramedic. Right. I think that's a first. I mean, well, we've done a lot. 1,600 guests in 23 years. I'm dying to know what a psychic paramedic. Does it, do they ride around the psychic ambulance and... <laughs> I think we've been preparing all our careers to, to have this interview. No pressure, Sarah. We're teasing. We're having fun with you. Sarah K. Grace joins us here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Sarah. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. So you were at the Health Freedom Expo. And in the midst of all the craziness that I go through, I'm trying to remember back, how did we connect and all of that? And, I, and our buddy Kevin connected with you there as well. And I think your story is, is, is well worth telling. And I'm glad you're here with us. H how was your Health Freedom Expo experience? It was amazing. Thank you. And I really learned a lot and really appreciated your talk. Took away some good tidbits about the copper and silver and uh, picked some good, some other good tools up as well. So I had a great expo. It was Excellent. wonderful. Well, it is a, a wonderful place to be. You know, when we have times in space that are special, that, that we, we can come together and have extraordinary experiences that are empowering, not disempowering that don't lead with fear, even though they'll acknowledge things that, you know, could be considered scary, but really focusing on, you know, how do we get stronger through this thing? And I'm so glad you were there and, and you were speaking at the event too. I was, yeah. I actually spoke about the current state of the 911 system from purely the paramedic standpoint. And in a nutshell, it's a mess, just kind of like the Western structure, uh, Western medical model is and collective society at this point. So, so it, it, do the paramedics, the first thing they do 
like when they uh, roll up on a scene of somebody that's been injured, because that's where allopathic medicine's really good, right? Putting Humpty Dumpty back together again, or wartime medicine, you got a bullet wound and patching them up so that they're alive. Do, do they utilize like Bach rescue remedies or Arnica, right? First thing, right? Without just No, start- lavender oil is not going to do much for you if you have an arterial bleed. You actually no, us. <laughs> no, I will acknowledge that. Western and allopathic medicine is incredible for emergent care. Anything that's going to kill you in under an hour, say mm-hmm. 10 minutes to an hour, you need us. You also need us for, you know, the specialty cardiac surgery, or, you know, if you have a, a tumor in the brain, things like that, uh, then allopathic can be incredible. Mm-hmm. But the, for chronic conditions and for mental illness, it falls far, far short because as we know, it's a for-profit driven system and it's not health conducive, right? Yeah, that, that, well, you're right. And that's, and even as I was sort of joking about the Bach flowers and Arnica, really, even in an emergency trauma situation to reduce shock and all of that would be helpful. As we know, a lot of that is, is life-threatening as well. So I believe there are ways to integrate holistic medicine, even in the most dire of allopathic circumstances. Absolutely. Once we stop the bleeding, yeah, yeah or get your exactly. heart beating again, then we can work on that. Yeah. <laughs> on the other things, I'm totally with you on that. And exactly. uh, just to answer uh, the other question, no, it's not in a psychic ambulance. I was actually uh, on the ambulance in the 911 system of California for 15 years and started in South Central Los Angeles and then did San Jose and Sacramento 911. So 20 years as a licensed paramedic in California, mm-hmm. 15 years on the ambulance. And I've also been a paramedic instructor for many years and I proctored the national registry exam. So there's all of that. And then you are, just, gr- you are grounded solidly in, in that profession as well as happen to having, and we'll get into that clairvoyant or other, op, uh, let's say senses that go beyond the, the the normal five that they say. I think we have way more than that, but that's something we can talk about. And of course, you know, if you're in LA, you think of, you find a psychic ambulance, that would make a good TV show. Yeah, right. It's like Ghostbusters kind of. Right. <laughs> I was just imagining that. That'd be kind of cool. So your journey into, uh, you know, working emergency trauma scenarios. I mean, that's not, not everybody's wired to do that. You know, there are people that uh, in a situation like that, they, they, they freeze up. They're like tense. They can't do anything. And there are others that just, go right into everything is out of the, the equation and they're full on in that moment to save a life and they, nothing can get in their way. It's amazing. And I don't know how to predict who, you know, it lends themselves to, to what reaction or response, but clearly you were able to engage. Absolutely. You know, we have a bit of an archetype as first responders. We, you know, we're a unique breed. We do run towards what everybody else is running away from. Mm-hmm. And when people are like, oh, I could never do that. I look at kindergarten teachers in the same, right? Everybody has their <laughs> yes. unique uh, construct, if you will. A lot of us are very type A, very intense, very alpha. Um, and we just kind of come alive in that extreme intensity. Mm-hmm. And whether it is stems from traumatic upbringings of our own, which I know that that for myself, uh, largely contributed to my comfort in chaos, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody kind of comes to it in their own way. But we're definitely a, a unique breed. For sure. Oh, for sure. Now you're more unique than even unique in the sense, although I know that a lot of people maybe don't don't talk about or write about experiences such as you've had, and you acknowledge, you know, at the age of seven that you identified that you had uh, senses that seemingly went beyond the 
I hesitate to use the word norm because normal is not necessarily healthy or optimal. I think what we all have access to senses that we just kind of diminish or it's beaten out of us by uh, certain states of consciousness that they don't want mm-hmm. us to go beyond. That's just my sense of it. 100%. So at seven, tell me about this journey and how this manifested. And I know that you recognize as well in your own life, you've been through abusive situations, relationships, or, or family uh, that may have made your senses heightened. I don't know. Give us a little insight into your journey. Well, I was raised in South Dakota in the middle of nowhere, pre-internet. And so I didn't have any access to the outside world. I couldn't just Google, right? Like, what was my, why do I see colors? But one day I just woke up and I noticed that I could see, first it started with the auric field. I could see colors around people and kind of sense different things. And then it went into over coming days and weeks for me, it increased to being able to feel their feelings and know what they were thinking And then it went into being able to know what was going to happen before it did, eventually into being able to see disease in people's bodies and then ultimately see spirits. And so with that, I mean, dead people. And, you know, I'm a little kid cruising around on my little bike in South Dakota and just wanting to fit in, wanting to be normal. And so I thought that it was just kind of how it was for people, you know. My experience was that I was very spacey, kind of ungrounded, disconnected, had a hard time uh, being in my body. And when I finally said something, my nuclear family was uh, unfortunately pretty broken down. And there was a lot of chaos and violence just within that construct also. But I was just hoping that they'd kind of give me an idea of, oh, this is what this is. But uh, instead, unfortunately, I was met with the hellfire and brimstone bit. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, don't ever talk about this or we'll send you away. And yeah. so right then I just, I remember it just kind of sucking down and in. And I really thought that there was something mentally wrong with me and who wants mm-hmm. that, you know, especially as a kid, all we just want to yeah. fit in. We just want to like be like everybody else and have a good life. And so I, that began a very long journey of toxic shame for me. Mm. And so that in uh, addition to the violence and instability in my nuclear family, I was navigating quite a lot. And so I can tell you how I eventually figured yeah. out well, the ambulance if you want. Right. And, and what I sense about your experience is that you have this reality of extra senses, if you call it that. Mm-hmm. And, and yet the world meets you right? They want you to fit in and maybe they, they don't do it maliciously, but certainly how are you to interpret that as a kid to suppress things that are not easily understood by certain orthodoxies or belief systems or dogma. And this is part, whether you have the kind of experience you have having psychic realm senses or not, very often we find kids with dynamic, uh, what we call them talents that are far beyond what might be considered normal. And oftentimes parents wanting their kids to fit in squash those things, thinking they're doing them a favor rather than encouraging them that they have special gifts that they've come in with mm-hmm. to express them and to, to be supportive and loving and, 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 and so excited about. And so very rarely does that happen. I think it can happen. Some families do that, but your experience was not that. And so how long from that point forward through all the abuse and other things you went through, uh, Were you able to rediscover or bring them back out? Was it associated with your drive to be a paramedic? Was it related to that? No, for me, um, at a late teens, early twenties, 
I really just went off the rails because I had been dealing with violence for so long and not understanding the multi-sensory perception. And it's really like being bombarded. You know, it's almost like being on like acid in Times Square 24 seven. And when you don't have an understanding of this is what this is and this is how to navigate it and not to fear it, uh, it can be completely overwhelming. And I felt very, very victimized. So for me, I went off the rails with drugs, alcohol, addiction, and I actually overdosed and had a near-death experience. And it was in my near-death experience where I was like, okay, I'm done, like, you know, screw this. But in the heightened state, in the in-between, there was a female voice that was very familiar and she was very eloquent, but in layman's terms, she was pretty much like, we get it, it's hard, Mm. but should you choose to go back, you're actually gonna help a lot of people that are like this. And so obviously I chose to come back and uh, pretty begrudgingly uh, initially, Mm. but then I I made the decision to come back. And I thought that because I chose to stay embodied, that spirit would just kind of line it up for me and be like, okay, this is what you do now. But that was all easy from this point forward. No, (laughs) No. not really. Yeah. And I still, I still had to um, pull myself up by my bootstraps. So I began my own personal healing journey with, um, I had to face my own addictions. I had to face my own fears and the shame and the guilt over, you know, my own choices and behavior as a result of having that toxic shame. And so I did a lot of healing work and it was during this time that my intuition, every time an ambulance would go by the, my intuitions like that, like you need to go do that. But I was terrified. I was like, no way, man. Like, you know, paramedic, I could kill people. That's a big deal. I didn't understand that there's a million steps between where you start and then, you know, when you're an advanced paramedic running an actual call. So the long and the short of it is I eventually pulled myself up, got healthy and well, and went through the UCLA EMT program. And from there, I began down in uh, Compton, Inglewood areas of South Central Los Angeles, where I spent two years. And that was an amazing place to learn because you're going to you, yeah, learn real quick. If you're gonna, you know, party central for paramedics. I mean, if you want to learn, that's an area where a lot of, uh, let's say, ambulances are, are, are doing their thing to save yeah. lives uh, that, could be, that could be terminated early. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you didn't, you didn't go lightly into it. You're like, let's yeah. go into the, the place with the most intense learning and rapid learning curve. Yeah. I'm one of those go big or go home kind of people. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think it is that paramedic mindset or the first response, first responder mindset, but eventually the energies just started working through me. And again, it was nothing that I invited. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was still very, very closeted at this Mm -hmm. point. And I finally fit in, right? So I'm with all these alpha firefighters and the SWAT dudes. And I, it's, this is a semblance. This is a powerful career. It's esteemed. I finally had some sort of recognition from my family and I didn't want to be the weird girl right? Who like sees dead people. I didn't want to say anything about it, Hmm. but the energies just started working through me on these calls. And I became the paramedic who was always there for death Hmm. and the most extreme calls in the County. And so over time, what I began to notice is that really, truly, um, there's nothing to fear in death. And in a lot of those extreme circumstance, um, it's like an organized chaos. Like I could actually watch 
the chakras releasing from the body and I would watch the soul exit out the crown as we'd be doing CPR. And I would watch the deceased loved ones come in and greet the person. And I knew when they transitioned and I knew that we would still have to run the body to the hospital, you know, running the protocol. But I did that time after time after time. And it, I, again, didn't, wasn't saying anything, but people, my coworkers could feel it. And so after, you know, probably 10 years of doing this, hundreds of, you know, deaths, hundreds of dead bodies, you know, probably transition 20, 30 ish people watching you die, like going through the process with you. Mm -hmm. And to me, I started to understand, wait a second, like one, there's nothing to fear in this Two, it can actually be really beautiful. And it's almost like midwifing, right? Mm -hmm. So being there at the very end moments with someone and being able to hold this safe container and explain to them physically and then energetically what's going on and then navigate the family and navigate the rest of the scene. It, it became this beautiful dance, if you will. And that said, like I said, I was still kind of closeted, but people could mm -hmm. feel it. And it was a SIDS call. It was a three week old, um, baby that this was the call that finally got me to like, okay, what is this? You know, I have to get educated. And the firefighter comes out and hot potatoes me, this dead kid. And I don't care who you are. I don't care. I'm a senior level medic. I've run thousands of calls, hundreds of dead bodies by this point. But if you're holding a, a dead infant in your hands, you freeze for just a mm. moment because it's like surreal. And I felt it was almost like spirit just kind of knocked me out of the way. And I watched myself from the roof of the ambulance down running this bait, the call, getting the baby to the hospital and the baby made it. But that was the call where I was like, okay, that changed everything for me in the way of what is this? Like, I'm okay with you, you know, kind of giving me a heads up of what's coming or working through my hands or kind of slowing everything down. It was very much matrix like on scene for me. And I was okay with that, but I wasn't okay with being knocked out of you know, the way, so to speak. And so that finally forced me to be open to my uh, judgment and stigma around the psychic community. I really didn't want to have anything to do with it um, because I per had a lot of personal judgment or just from the, the woo-woo and esoteric. It didn't sure. resonate. Well, and, and being in Southern California, it's often thought of as, you know, that's a place of a lot of so-called woo in regards mm -hmm. to psychic phenomenon and maybe not the same stigma associated with it coming from a small town in South Dakota. You know, mm -hmm. with orthodox views of what is, you know, what could be, can be, should be, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have this baby that is basically dead in your arms. And at that, that point, so you, you said this pushed out of the way scenario. That sounded different than all the others that you described. And I'm sure I'm not fully clear on what happened there. But also the great story in that this baby, in, other than those that had lived in transition, this baby came back. The, with mm -hmm. the soul in, the, in this body came back to this body. Uh, was there something unique or significant about that in this particular case beyond the amazingness? Of course, a body it, it comes back to life. But was that part of that journey? I, I'm trying to maybe understand what was it about the push aside scenario that woke you up to another realm or, or, or level of what you were here to do? Really, it was about not wanting to be out of control. Like okay. I didn't have any problem with the, the you know, precognition or knowing what was going to happen or the other ways that the energy kind of 
navigated itself. It would usually work through my hands or it would come over the top of me from my shoulder blade area is how it would typically manifest. But if it knocked me out of the way, I didn't like the sense of not having it control. And that's when I it got my attention into like, okay, I need to get educated. So for me, I started it's been 10, 15 years now of studying all different types from any, I started with Reiki, shamanism, medical intuition, energy healing, um, mediumship, holistic. There's so many different, you know, to me now I understand they're like spokes on a wheel hmm. or branches of a tree. And there's many, many modalities, but I wanted to understand why I was this way. And I had to come to terms with like, wait a second, like I was shamed, I was condemned, I was told I was mentally ill. But in actuality, I'm helping a lot of people in like their worst moments, right? And being able to, again, be in that transition space of death, especially in like a trauma death, like it's a hospice death or a medical death, something that's expected is a different energetic presentation and different soul experience for the person and the individual going through it versus the trauma death where, you know, you're in your car, you got your Starbucks, you go through the drive through you're thinking everything's cool, you're on your way to work, and then bam, you get T-boned. And that's it, you're out, you're out of your body. And those guys, I would often see the soul standing next to the vehicle, staring at their body, trying to make sense of it. Yeah, what just happened? It's it's suddenly. And this happens all the time, Robert. You know, everybody thinks like, you know, death is such a funny concept in this in this world. Mm -hmm. Like we we bubble wrap ourselves and over medicate and like, you know, all the the whole thing that we're living in with the the video that you just played and this, this Mm -hmm. reality. Yeah. Like everything is like, so like terrified of, of death and Mm -hmm. aging, you know, but that's, it's the cycle death and birth are as natural, you know, as I I was talking this morning uh, with my wife and my buddy Laban about, we're just having some philosophical chats about it. And my wife, you know, remembered that point where she no longer feared death and how significant that was in her journey as it is in mine. And we've had, you know, guests on from, uh, uh, the, what near death studies, uh, center, whatever the center for near death study and now spiritually transformative experiences. We've had people on that are, uh, you know, quite, quite amazing uh, as far as the journeys that they've been on, what they're willing to share. And I realized that not everybody's up for hearing it. Although for the most part, the audience here is, engaged in this journey and like, Oh, this is a fascinating study of something I'm not familiar with and not necessarily afraid of it that are willing to engage and talk about like what we're doing here. And I'm always fascinated about people's journeys uh, Mm -hmm. and yours as well. Uh, This next stage in terms of a recognition of that continuity of life, Mm -hmm. it, it changes everything because so much, as I've said over, like, for instance, the COVID crazy years we've just been through, maybe still residual coming out of, it's our fear of death that led to that ability or capacity of these entities or agencies to shut down our ability to live. 100%. So, so my argument is about fear of death is really a fear of living. Mm-hmm. And of course, a fear of germs, it, it all plays into that. But the, the, com- the common factor is fear. Mm-hmm. People that don't know, they're afraid and they are, they seek out solace somewhere. And, you know, if you go to the Orthodox religions and you get solace there, great. If you, if they're not, then you're searching for something. For me, I was never one that could accept the, the end statement from whether it be a rabbi, a preacher, priest, whatever, sometimes, cause they get annoyed with me. I keep asking mm-hmm. questions, peppering yeah, them with questions and like, leave me alone, kid. Sometimes right. you just got to wait till you die until you know all the answers to those questions. I'm like, nah, that doesn't work for me. 
There's got to be a way to access that kind of information and experience because we're still the essence of who I believe we are as soul, a connection, divine spark of creation of God, whether we're in the body still in, in a corporeal being or whether we are beyond that in some way, shape or form. So for me, that was this has been a big part of my journey, why I enjoy discussions like this as well. Uh, and I think what it could impart your experience, how it can help people maybe overcome their fear of death, which is really a fear of living. True. Yeah. Very well said. You know, it's, it's really through my own personal experience of it, as well as the countless deaths that I've witnessed, it's like taking off a heavy coat really. And there's nothing to fear. And ultimately what I've come away with through all of this is you cannot be controlled if you do not fear death. And so I really encourage people now what I do. So I did 15 years on the ambulance and I utilized these abilities. Half the time I didn't know what I was doing, but then half the time I started to study and learn about, you know, what is clairvoyance and what is precognition and, you know, why am I so sensitive? Why do I feel everybody's things? And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was amazing because growing up, I thought I was this lone weirdo, but come to find out, I don't know if you knew this, Robert. 15 to 20% of the world's population is energetically sensitive. That's mm. like 1.6 billion of us. Okay. <laughs> 55 well, million. Would alone. you call them? I mean, one of the terms you hear thrown out empath, is that what you mean? Or is it, is that not adequate to describe what you're talking about? That is one. So there's a spectrum. Yeah. Okay. And so of that uh, 1.6 billion, there's a spectrum. And if you think of it somewhat like the autistic spectrum, Mm. the bulk of the energetically sensitive people are empaths. Now, what energetically sensitive means is that we're able to perceive subtle energy, like just a a more intense, um, we just perceive it more intensely, right? And so to me, I, my strength is seeing clairvoyance, if you will, but most it's feeling. So, you know, somebody walks in the room and you just Mm. intuitively know that you don't like them or you really do like them. There's that sense, but all this has to do with the nervous systems. So our nervous system is two to three times as sensitive as the quote standard. I won't say normal because there's no such thing. Standard person. We're just, we're just wired a little it's just mm. like a little bit, you know, more sensitive. Sure. And so we're able to perceive these currents that are there and around everybody. That, but yeah. if, if you're really just kind of, you know, in your. In that, your and that, that's been my experience in terms of the feeling. Mm-hmm. I haven't had so much of the visuals that you've described and I've met so many that have, and it's, it's just fascinating to talk about it. Uh, but again, oftentimes people are afraid of mm-hmm. those that can see things like that, or they're back in the day, burned at the stake kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, are we past that yet? I don't know. Uh, I hope so. But uh, I think about the senses that I've had always being sensitive emotionally. And, I, and I've said this to people that claim they're not. I think that even they have some level of ability to sense so- something like the idea of walking into a room of angry people and you don't even mm-hmm. look at their faces. You could feel it or elated, happy people. The energy is palpable. Even in people that say, oh, I don't feel stuff. There's certain levels that, it, yeah, even people that say they can't feel, can feel. And you can probably, I imagine, teach them like a sense to be become more refined in their uh, interpretation or understanding of signals that they didn't know were that. Yeah, absolutely. And I do a lot of that now. And so there's the empath group and the difference between someone who's uh, just has heightened sensitivity and an empath is the empath absorbs everybody else's energies like a sponge. So if they go home after going to a concert and being in a crowd, they're left to deal with versus Uh, somebody who just gets really overstimulated and then they go home. Do you teach people how not to be the effect of that, where they can still have the sensitivity without 
carrying that everywhere. And then what we see, and I see this all the time, I call it an undiagnosed empath. We have endocrine issues, GI issues. A lot of these fibromyalgia presentations is just energetic coagulation from stuff that's not even theirs. So I love teaching. It's so funny how it's all come full circle, right? But there's the seeing and the hearing and the Mm -hmm. knowing, and then we go into mediumship and seeing like deceased human spirits. There's a whole, it's it's a spectrum. And again, there's nothing to fear in any of it. Now I understand Again, it's, you know, it really that near death experience and what I experienced with that, um, uh, like what I heard mm-hmm. in that I'm going to help a lot of people make sense of this. It's all happening now. So I'm here to bridge the mainstream with the energetic mm-hmm. and holistic worlds and just make it make sense. Right. And so being really grounded um, being a paramedic, like just being able to talk about things in a way that's not like, it just makes sense. And so that is what I'm here to do is to just like, make it make sense, take Mm -hmm. away the fear, normalize it. And then really what this can do is as we, as we come out, cause here's the funny thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's more, there's so many of us in, and after I wrote my book and I put all my, all the stuff in there and I was just so terrified to put it out there, but it's been amazing how, when you just share like a genuine experience a vulnerable experience of like, yeah, man, like I thought I was really messed up, but this is what I did about it. And this is mm-hmm. what I, this is how it's working. Now people have come out from the woodwork all over the world at, from, you know, plastic surgeons and anesthesiologists to nurses to like general professionals to moms, like in just full spectrum of, Oh, me too. Thank you so much for saying something. You know, I thought I was a weirdo. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to be chastised. You know, there's still a huge stigma in our society around this. And that's what I'm here to represent is that you can actually be very, very grounded and very powerful utilizing these abilities to help. We, we, uh, we, we, let's say I grew up in America, the West, right? A Western mindset, a lot of disbelief about phenomenon that could not be explained if it wasn't, you know, physical you couldn't see touch taste yet you know so, but yet people could and those are relegated to what they call psychic phenomenon and mm-hmm. often denigrated as to be not real mm-hmm. yet I, i've been to places on this planet where it's a very normal and natural part of life to be able to see these things it's part mm-hmm. of the cultures in fact in some of the eastern cultures where they haven't been programmed out and i think this is also the the human experience of childhood where children have a natural ability and inclination to see things that adults can't because we're, we're shutting down those senses to focus on the outer senses so that we can fit in Correct. to a world that has been artificially created in a certain sense. And on this planet, there are a lot of different cultures, so it's not all the same. But if you've grown up in the West, the things that we might be, well, what we are talking about now could still be considered really weird and, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe threatening. To your sense of reality. You know, when I went to uh, West Africa twice and talked with the people there, I went uh, on a, you know, more of a spiritual type trip, but also as a healing trip to talk to the, the doctors there, there were realities of, of, of phenomenon that we would relegate to science fiction that happen every day in their lives. And they don't blink. It's just part of what their belief system is. And yet we would say, oh, that's strange or not real. And yet you, what you've said as well as I find the only way to get past the, the resistance is to share stories from your heart, vulnerability, to open up some kind of human connection. Now, so there are certain people that are so shut down and so wounded and injured, there, there's not much we can do to reach them. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of our process of maturation to recognize, just like yesterday when I had Connor Boyack on, uh, he wrote the Tuttle Twin series of books and he has a Libertas Institute. And we talked about, you know, wanting 
to restore liberty in our time mm -hmm. and freedom in our, you know, for those that understand the concept in America that was unique in its starting point. Yet there are people that are so threatened by that, that you think something is innocent saying, yeah, we want freedom for everybody. Mm -hmm. And yet you become an enemy because they're afraid of it, much like mm -hmm. they're afraid of even the things we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of it boils down to, to personal power, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we're taught from, we're not taught emotional intelligence. We're not taught personal accountability. Uh, we're taught to externalize and to listen to others over our own. And that is, that's led us to where we are as a society now. What we're seeing, fortunately, and I really think the last couple of years with COVID, I mean, it's been crazy our whole lives pretty much, but the last couple of years have been through the roof, obviously. And what is it? Well, you know, the systems are starting to break down and people are really, really thirsting for something more soulful, something deeper, something more innate, something more connected. And and a lot of times I, the word psychic is what it is. The word mystic is what it is. You know, words can be charged. To me, it's all just energetics. It's quantum physics, right? We're just talking about energetic fields and subtle awarenesses. And we're talking about our own intuitive nature, right? Our own, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I really think that what we're seeing now collectively is more and more people are starting to wake up and starting to be like, all right, wait a second. You know, something's up here. You know, I, I'm just I'm sick of getting told to take more and more pills. I still feel like crap, like I'm over this, you know, or they're just caught in their addictive patterns over and over and over. And they want something else, something more, something deeper. And so it's, yeah, it's a bit of a jumble for sure. But I think mm -hmm. that we're definitely, it's starting to shift and break open for sure. Yeah, I think so. For those of you who are uh, just joining us, Sarah K. Grace is our guest this hour, and she has a, a website, sarahkgrace.com. It's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Psychic empowerment and trauma recovery to become who you truly are. Um, you can book Sarah to speak. She spoke at the Health Freedom Expo. I see a great picture with you and one of my best, best, most favorite people in this lifetime that I've met over the years here. Um, and that would be Bruce Lipton. I was going to say Bruce. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I got to meet Bruce back in the nineties before he had published his first book, the manuscript that he, he, we had access to. It became biology of belief. There's the picture. Yeah, uh, wonderful he's wonderful. yeah, he's a, he, you know, he's a special, I, I, and I believe that everybody is special in, in creation, but you know, some people are here with more overt missions to help mm -hmm. kind of bridge some of these gaps, some of the things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe I perceive some of the things that I'm even doing in terms of mm -hmm. healing and, and bridging some of those gaps from physicality to the emotional and the spiritual side of our realities, mm -hmm. but, uh, always attempting at least to honor where people are at recognizing yeah. that consciousness is is unique to each of us at, at any given time and that also consciousness shifts and changes mm -hmm. uh that uh, we can lock or try to lock other people into our belief about them when they're trying to break free of it and mm -hmm. you know they had an overwhelming power over you when you were younger to shut it down mm -hmm. but then you've grown into your power mm -hmm. as to who you are and why you are here in this lifetime mm -hmm. and now coming out and living it and speaking it and, and not operating in fear, which is great, Sarah. It's a great inspiration to us all. I believe to me, certainly. And, uh, you were at the health freedom expo. Do you have any other upcoming speaking events that people could see you or attend? I am going to be on the world's greatest trauma recovery podcast with Anna. We Anna Ditchburn. Yes. 
Yep. That's going to be fun next week. Awesome. We've got some things coming up next uh, year, but go ahead and just check back sarahkgrace.com. Mm-hmm. There's also easy ways if you want, like if you're working with trauma or mm-hmm. you maybe you're sensitive and you don't understand, yeah. uh, you can just reach out to me, Sarah at sarahkgrace.com. I do one-on-one work with people now. I've had a full-time practice for many years. Blessed for that. Grateful mm-hmm. for that. And so you can reach out for a session that way, or if you're just kind of not super sure, but you want to kind of dip your toe in, there's uh, other ways on my website to connect with me. Okay. It's all, it's all there. So uh, what do we do for super sensitive, super Don? Don, are you there? I just want to make sure (laughs) he's so sensitive. I just want to make sure that all of his abilities capacity. Honestly, this is selfish because he's only got 24 hours in a day and he tries to sleep some of those hours. There's just not enough time to get all the stuff that super Don does. Oh yeah. So, so that was a compliment. Yes, of course it was a compliment. First you were trying to get my attention to see if I was one. That's how I do it. Yes. Then you, then you, uh, good ending there. I like, no, but I mean, literally you are a supercharged individual. The things you accomplish, I, I, you know, every once in a while, yes, I rib you. Of course we rib each other, but the reality of what you accomplish in the time you have is just astounding to me, you know, and we've worked together for years. So I'm thinking Sarah K could like give you a little tune up right now. Just zap or something. Do you have a grounding (laughs) mat, super Don, all your EMFs going on in that room right there. Yeah. Look around. That's important. I've got a, no, I don't oh, have a grounding. No, we can, <laughs> we can like, help no. there. No, I don't. Wait a minute. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. I have a grounding bracelet. There so you I go. Pre- electricity. It's something. But it's attached to the table. I mean, it's not like <laughs> in the ground. Hey, it's a start, man. Yeah. We start where we are. We'll get an extender to, to that. Go down to the ground level. But yes, you did great, in the, including the gardening you did this year, which is like so amazing. And uh, now the freeze is on. So we're in the winter mode right now up there where you are. I've got the greenhouses growing. And of course, one of the things we're going to be talking about next hour is, uh, is about that agriculture. You know, Sarah, we acknowledge and I acknowledge spiritual beings having human experiences. But while in the human body, we have certain needs. And that oh, includes yeah. even, you know, the support of this physical frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's a lot of fear rightly or wrongly associated with what's happening now in the world, supply chain disruptions. Will people go hungry? We're seeing a lot of <sighs> checkouts for lack of a better way to say it. I could say it better. A lot of people dying suddenly, mm-hmm. like all cause mortality. I mean, people just souls are checking out. And I always had this sense. And I don't know how many times I've mentioned this over the years that there would be a time in our future. You know, we're kind of living it now where a lot of people would check out because they wouldn't be able to handle the the consciousness shifts that are indeed occurring mm-hmm. on this very planet in this time frame in this timeline, and that it'd be too traumatic for them. And and I'm not try- here to say I know every individual's reason for for leaving uh, too soon from our perspective. For instance, you a lot of young people as well. But what can you say about this time unique in our lifetime that we're witnessing right now? Oh, it's an incredible time to be alive. I know it's not comfortable. Like it's, it's been highly uncomfortable for pretty much everybody, but you know, one day at a time and just to be present with today, because a lot of times we're getting caught in the external because there is all of that fear and like with the propaganda and the food scarcity, et cetera. But again, ultimately, if we, if we play the whole thing out and just remember life is really, it's now it's in this moment and none of us truly know. So in this moment, what is the 
that you need? Is it something physical? So these higher vibrational realities that you're talking about, the higher levels of awareness, they bring in a higher vibration and the cellular capacity is that's what's happening with a lot of people with these people that are opting out or they're having psychotic breaks or they're just their addiction spirals are taking them out. We got fentanyl just mowing everybody down right now. There's all kinds of ways and things that are happening, but it's a, it's a huge body load because this high vibration, this awareness, this opening, it, it's a lot for the physical body. So what is it that you need today? And you guys remember, like, let's not take this too serious. Like we're, none of us are getting out alive. Okay. So like, can we just let, let yourself be happy too? like go on the trip and buy the nice candles and, you know, eat the cake and laugh with your partner and do the things that you want to do today. Because sometimes we get overly serious and overly concerned and we forget to just live our lives, not remembering that this truly is just a fleeting moment. In well, and that having joyful experiences in the midst of, of people that suffer, a lot of times we'll get so hypersensitized that we'll feel like guilty for enjoying the life that we have here. And it's like, what a gift this life is. And it's like, do we have to live in misery just because some people on the planet are miserable right now? Is right. That that comes back to that personal responsibility of like, I understand you're having your experience. This is my experience, right? And this is where I am. And once we step more into our power, there's a lot of that healing through guilt and healing through shame and understanding that it's okay to be happy. It's okay to thrive. It's okay to be powerful. Because again, in our society, we're taught to constantly strive towards excellence, but don't be excellent. Right. It's so funny if right. we just look at this whole thing. It's like, oh, my gosh, let's just be alive today. And however you are, if you're really suffering and you're really struggling, that's OK. Right. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you need? Do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need to maybe get your gut biome balanced? Do you need to go outside in nature, like drink some water? What is it right that you need? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's incremental at this stage, step by step. But yeah. if we just remember that we're all in this together, we're stronger yeah. together and wherever you are right now is okay. Totally. I was just listening to your, a super nine. Remember the sticks album? Was it, uh, I think it was from pizza pieces of eight. Uh, and it was a song called I'm okay. I played that yesterday. I just heard that in my head. I'm okay. It was like a Stuart Smalley song before there was a Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night live. And it was like all the self-help books they put into a song. Funny enough. I'm okay. Nothing uh, that one. Oh God, we got to play that one. But anyway, it was just, it, there's a lightheartedness, funny and silliness to it. Of course, there's a lot of jokes that make fun of people that are into the self-help kind of thing as well. I think perhaps that can be taken to another extreme where you're like, these people can't function in the world because they're so shielded or sheltered from any, let's say what might be determined to be or called negativity, mm -hmm. but life has its polarity. There's all of those uh, experiences and we likely have all experienced many or all of them, certainly by the time we get out of here. And, and yet it is part and parcel for the experience, I think of soul to grow, to learn. Yeah, we're having the human experience and it's multifaceted. You know, this mm -hmm. is a dualistic paradigm with highs, lows, lights, dark, masculine, feminine, yin, yang. It's mm -hmm. it's all of it. And that I personally, in my experience anyway, is the more I've allowed myself to be all aspects of myself and just find acceptance and find, I don't have to like every aspect of myself, but if I just allow it to be and I come to mm -hmm. having compassion and understanding for how I got to be that way, then it integrates and it loses its power and I've got yeah. more space for things that feel good, right? Yeah, exactly. Here's a question coming in from our chat room at robertscoutbell.com. I'll just drop it in the chat there as well. Uh, this is from Joanna. 
She says, uh, Sarah, I love this. Wondering if you ever get emotional while you are witnessing the transition of others. That's a great question, Joanna. And early on in my career, yes, I did. I would get very overwhelmed because I didn't understand like why I could see it and nobody else could. And some of the transitions that I saw were really traumatic and the person didn't want to go. So that was hard to, to witness. And so I did, and I would take that home with me and then I'd have to like process through for a long time. But the more depth that I saw, the mm. more I started to understand that, oh, wait a second, this is part of a natural cycle and it's actually beautiful. And I can be an mm. instrument in assisting that person's transition and helping their family through it too. Uh, I perceive a deep level of spiritual maturity surrounds the concept of detachment. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the in the Eastern words, uh, a terminology, virag, detachment. And many people who don't understand it look from a, a different state of consciousness and say, if you're detached, you don't care. You don't you don't love people. You don't you don't care if they die. And that's not it at all. The detachment that allows us to go through life and not be the uh, uh, how would we say the effect of everything, mm -hmm. right? Seeing witnessing transitions like this called death. Uh, because you're not affected emotionally in the same way you once were, doesn't mean you're, you're any less caring or concerning about it. Oh, no, not at all. It really does come with that maturation. And, mm -hmm. you know, the more you experience something, the more it kind of normalizes. And then I have my own intuition and my own guidance. It's kind of allowed me to understand like what my role was there and, and mm -hmm. how to facilitate that, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And the detachment piece, I love that you're bringing that up. Like energetically, um, when we're really, you know, connected to somebody, we form those energetic cords and it can be challenging to have that detachment, which is why a, a traumatic death or a breakup can feel so traumatic and people actually mm -hmm. do die of heartbreak. Broken it, heart, yeah. It is a thing. It's incredible what it does to the heart, heart chakra. It inverts it and it, it's a mess, wow. but we can do work to, to help integrate that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the detachment thing, it's really, I think if we're trying to think, oh, I have to do this. I can't be attached. It's coming from more of just the mental plane versus if you know who you are and you're just mm. having the experience. It's like if you're not attached to anything, really, you're attached to, you're open to being attached to everything or just having mm. experience. With experience everything. as well. Yeah. And, and man, it is hard, I think, of all things to get beyond the mental constructs, right? The mental body, because we in the West, and I speak of myself here, grew up and there's a culture of uh what we call values that values high mental acuity the ability mm -hmm. to get higher in education realms to become a doctor of some kind uh, and and there's a, a fine line where it crosses into a worship of the mind mm -hmm. rather than an acknowledgement of a, it, its use as a tool to navigate this world that we're in and to go beyond that into a spiritual reality that's where i say we talk about detachment getting even beyond to trying to describe it the best we can uh, in terms of um, non-attachment mm -hmm. to things, which is not the same as not caring. And I think that, again, I, I throw that out, not because we have the answer to it, but to, the, you know, maybe plant a seed for folks to, to look beyond the, uh, the worrying mother, <laughs> the Jewish mother that worries about everything. And if you don't worry, you don't care, right? right. You, you assess caring is how much do you worry? <laughs> I love you. I worry about you. Right. right. Yeah, and it's okay, but it boils down to also the 
I love what you said about we're so attached to uh, intellect and academia. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of got helped to get us into this mess with science as it is right now. Yeah. And just, you know, things being for sale, if you will. But it, the willingness to not know, because even the mind can be vast and knowledge base can be it can be quite immense. Mm -hmm. But even that has limits. When we go into a spiritual realm, it's infinite. We go into the quantum, it's infinite. And so we don't, we can't compartmentalize. It's too big. We can't mm -hmm. know it's too big. And the mind, like the little egoic mind of the human construct, we want to know, we want to be in control. We want to be right, you know, because that makes us feel safe, which goes mm -hmm. into the limbic system of, of survival. But Boy. if the more we can just open up and be like, okay, I don't know. And that's okay. And I feel yeah. right. And there's a lot of different ways to kind of calm your mind so that you can be more in touch with you. When, when you let go of the need to be smarter than everybody or more right than everybody and or prove everybody wrong. I mean, granted, I've been right about just about everything over the last <laughs> of course. But the attachment to that as well, the recognition that, hey, you know what? There's a lot I don't know. And, and granted, I've learned a lot in this lifetime, as have you, as we all. At the same time, it's exciting to not know even though my desire is to know, which got me into trouble in the Orthodox religions, mm -hmm. as I continued to dig and drill and ask and ask and ask until they were so annoyed, they just shooed me away. Please leave me alone here. Mm -hmm. And yet recognizing that that's their journey and finding your journey. And maybe you find it in the Orthodoxy. Maybe you don't, but that is your journey. And mm -hmm. uh, I just want to say to all of you out there, because we have a, a myriad of belief systems and, and mm -hmm. folks coming from all kinds of backgrounds. That even if we find areas of disagreement, that we would come back to those areas where we are aligned in mission, spirit, and purpose and a recognition of our divinity. As I've said, as a healer, my my real role, and I believe this is true of all healers, whether they realize it yet or not, is not to give them the right remedy or the right drug or the, the all the things you're trained to, but to connect them to the source of all healing, which I believe and perceive is their divinity, our divinity. Absolutely. And it's within each of us. And so mm -hmm. to me, the real medicine is helping the person connect to their own yeah. innate power and their own innate wisdom, right? Yeah. Not looking to anybody or anything external as much. Like, Yeah. Except for Super Don's approval. I always seek Super Don's <laughs> approval. That's the only thing that gets me through the day. Uh, and uh, well, there was another song that comes around. Whatever gets you through the night that I don't even know who did that song. Uh, oh, by the way, we have a uh, DJ Katie, our friend. She says, I'm okay is her favorite song on that sticks album, pieces of eight. So even though super Don doesn't know it, DJ Katie does. So thank you for that. And Sarah K grace, you're welcome here anytime. I just had a great time chatting thank with you. you about these subjects. And, uh, I hope people are open to talking at the very least or exploring their own journeys here and how the senses that have been maybe beaten out of them by certain mm -hmm. folks in their lives, maybe are theirs because they're a gift from God. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're supposed to be there and maybe yeah. you want to rediscover them. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to come back and play with you guys some more anytime. So thank you for having me very much. And again, and you guys can find me at sarahkgrace.com and my book journey into grace. You can access through there. Beautiful. And we'll look forward to seeing you at events coming up, including maybe next year's health freedom expo as well. And remember the virtual expo is going to happen February in February of next year, oh. not long from now. And that'll include Sarah's presentation. So you'll be able to see that in case you missed it. And Lord knows I couldn't go to everything I wanted to go to at the health freedom expo. So I'm looking forward to the virtual expo coming up in February as well. So thanks Sarah for being on board. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. This is the kind of journey we get to do. On the Robert Scott Bell Show, all kinds of awesome folks, souls that are here to do amazing things and very different and diverse things. 
And yet, I like going there with all of them. So I hope you enjoyed that as well. Uh, briefly, before we take the top of the hour uh, education break, we're going to get into some of the food discussion and farming and connecting you to your farmer, maybe helping you become your, your own farmer. Um, our friends at Health Freedom Ohio have uh, put out a request. If you're in Ohio, and I know we have a lot of friends and listeners and viewers in Ohio, they are saying that they need plaintiffs for a lawsuit um, attacking the government disinformation campaign on COVID, right? We've seen how freedom of speech has been under assault more than ever in our lifetime uh, because we had dare to have a different view of what COVID is or how to address it. So Health Freedom Ohio is partnering with attorney George Smith and Dr. Naomi Wolf, who we've had on this show from uh, Daily Clout, in an effort to gather plaintiffs for an upcoming lawsuit combating the medical tyranny imposed on Ohioans, Ohioans specifically related to COVID-19. So that's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. So check that out as well. So in the, uh, the meantime, again, sign up for uh, email alerts or what we call the newsletter, Super Don Does, by texting my initials, RSB, to this number, 22828. So if you go to your phone right now and you press 22828 in the text field, send RSB, my initials, you'll get prompted to sign up for our, our daily newsletter and you'll see the poll questions of the day and all kinds of cool stuff. Super Don set that up and I hope that uh, you're enjoying the information uh, coll- collated, if you will, by Super Don and uh, the different things that we can bring to you, including upcoming events. A uh, special shout out as well to Nutritional Frontiers and Orange Guard. Orange Guard, well, there you go. It's NutritionalFrontierCBDNF.com. You could sign up there. RSB15 gets you the discount. With Orange Guard, you got OrangeGuard.com. You can get that at your local Ace Hardware store, Whole Foods, or directly OrangeGuard.com. Get a picture of that bottle of Orange Guard with you. Send it into Super Don, and we're going to try and do a giveaway, another giveaway. Uh, well, we're almost to the end of October, so we've got to look at the date, the calendar date. If it goes into the first week of November, don't yell at me. It's going to happen. I just got to figure out with all the travel trips coming up. So with that, uh, thank you again to Sarah K. Grace for joining us in the first hour of the show. And we're going to be joined by Symbria Patterson, Symbria Patterson next hour. And we'll talk about uh, redacrecenter.org and a whole lot more in terms of sustaining this physical body we live in while we're here. Thank you for being here. God bless you. The power to heal is yours. Scott Bell Show. All right. Remember, uh, the power to heal is yours, as I remind myself each hour, but it means doing things perhaps a little bit differently. And maybe your goals are different than mine. Heck, they probably should be. (laughs) But when it comes to health and healing, maybe we share uh, the goals of being as healthy and vital as possible to live a long, healthy life, not just a long life, but a healthy life so that we can enjoy the time we have here as well as enjoy if we have kids or grandkids, or maybe they have kids, you want to hang out that be nice to be able to be active throughout that life cycle and that time. And, you know, using your body is an important part of this. You have it, use it. And that means pushing it physically. It's designed to do a lot more than sit or even to stand at a keyboard and flap your lips. Like I do, it means moving it. If you're not out there growing food, we're going to talk about that. Farming, one of the most amazing things that has sustained uh, life on the planet in terms of our physical bodies 
and then and so much more that it can provide to you in terms of emotional health and even spiritual health, getting out there in, in the dirt. So that's part of what we're going to talk about uh, today, the second hour in just a moment. Uh, but also I want to acknowledge the, uh, the threats to health that whether they're perceived uh, artificial or real, you'll see and hear about them at this time of the year, the transition on the Northern hemisphere to the fall season into the winter months. And it used to be called flu season that I dubbed flu shot season. But in the era of COVID, you don't know what shot season it is anymore because you're never off season for a shot. As we open today with Biden and a bunch of pharmacy douchebags, including Murthy, Surgeon General and, and the Muppet that he is and they are promoting this idea that we all are just not doing our part because not enough of you are getting jabbed and, and boosted. And yet. Every bit of evidence shows that those shots are, they're less than worthless. They're worse than worthless. They're harming people of all ages. And yet they're out there with a straight face telling you to get the jabs and how irresponsible you are for not. Now we're seeing uh, stories about RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, among infants and young children. The only good news on this story from their perspective, it's not good news from ours, is that there is no vaccine for it. Thank God there's at least one thing they can't jab us for. But yeah, they're working on it, and it'll probably be an mRNA shot. Who knows? It could be out next year. The way they're marketing these things for instant uh, access through emergency use or rapid approval through the Fear and Death Administration, then the ACIP committee, then CDC, putting it on this, the childhood schedule so that it is absolved of all liability should it injure or kill. But what are we dealing with? A lot of coughs. Not only young people, but people of all ages. And they're saying, maybe this could be RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. I would argue, as I have for years, that it is not the virus that is the cause of the problem. It never is. It's the result of cellular dysregulation due to stress. Stress could be emotional. It could be mental. It could be economic. It could be political. It could be physical in terms of a lack of minerals to keep cellular metabolic function at an optimal uh, pace, rate, etc. In the lack of or the absence of certain key minerals like selenium in particular, you see things that manifest in the body that they blame on viruses like herpetic lesions, herpes simplex, like cold sores, or in the case of chicken pox or post-chicken pox or post-varicella injection, shingles after stressful episodes, and I would argue a lack of minerals, including and especially selenium. But if you see respiratory distress, respiratory symptoms manifest at any age, you can be sure that the liver and the kidneys are at play. Yet how many, let's be honest, how many people with medical degrees, right? Medical doctors or DOs outside of those that are fully integrative and understand what I'm about to say, will look at these children and go, hey, we got to work on their liver. Their liver is congested. Their kidneys are congested. They might even go to something as simple as dehydration, which can manifest as exacerbation of lung issues because in the absence of adequate hydration, basic processes of detox through the liver, kidneys, and lymph are limited. Therefore, the body will try to utilize via adaptation syndrome, other organs of elimination, and that would include the lungs could be the skin. 
So I'm not discounting that hydration is important. It is. But there are other things in addition, like minerals, like selenium. And there are, of course, homeopathic remedies for the uh, non-molecular reductionist uh, cultists out there. You're going to be upset with me, but for those of you who aren't, you'll go, all right, what are they, Robert? Well, page 101 of Unlock the Power to Heal, chapter Good Loving for Your Lungs, talks about some key remedies for the lungs, including Bryonia alba, which often works with a, a dry cough, if you will. But Bryonia is a liver polycrest that helps, again, function the liver, turn it back into its functional self again. That could reduce something like a cough. Then there are focused remedies that are associated with coughing and lung health, like Antimonium tartaricum and Drosera rotundifolia and Spongia tosta. For the kids in the audience, I've always joked about that. That's like toasted SpongeBob. (laughs) <laughs> in a homeopathic form. Sorry for SpongeBob fans. You don't really, he's a cartoon character, by the way, just don't worry. He'll be okay. But all of these are remedies that can address lung health that does not result in or resort to going to an allopathic physician for an antibiotic. For instance, that doesn't work for a virus anyway, even though the virus isn't the cause of the problem. If it's there, it's incidental to the pre-existing issues that I've mentioned that they don't acknowledge. Again, where's the pediatrician going, hey, let's work on the liver congestion and kidney congestion, make sure the lymph is moving, and we'll see that thing clear up. They do acknowledge in this article at least about moisturizing the air. That could be a steam thing. But I would also say profoundly simple thing to have is a nebulizer in your home. And I have done this with my kids since they were little. Bioactive silver hydrosol. I've used the Sovereign Silver. I use the Argentin 23. I put it in a nebulizer for safe inhalation teaspoon at a time. And now we have the bioactive copper hydrosol. And of course, these minerals, these metals, in fact, are not harmful to the tissue brought in this way. They reduce tissue inflammation, upregulate healing of tissue. And if you're concerned about viruses, they stop viral replication. Again, that's not my main focus, but it does that. As far as being antibacterial and NFO, yeah, that too. And we have the safety with which we can raise children like I've raised mine Thus far, 22 and 17 years of age, never once have we had to resort, not even once, to an antibiotic. So I throw that out there as you're hearing about RSV, to have remedies, and there are a myriad of remedies, and coughing is part of the recovery process, detox process, and it's annoying, can be lingering, but the faster you get that liver back in working order, maybe even, yes, coffee enemas, the faster you can get those lungs back to doing what they're designed to do primarily, although not exclusively the breathing in of air to getting the oxygen and then the exhalation of the CO2. But it's again, it's more than that. We've done shows on that. Breathing is much more than just CO2 and O2 exchange. So that's my opening. Now let's get into a second hour discussion about food, about growing food, about connecting you maybe with your own farmer or maybe becoming your own farmer, even growing year round. Our guest this hour, Cimbria Patterson, she's down in Cedar City, Utah, and she tells me before we went to air that there's an event coming up in January that you might want to attend. Maybe I want to go there. I'll see if I can do, but this could be cool. Let's learn from her as we go to the source of, let's say, at least some of our physical health, a significant part of it, food, preferably grown organically. Welcome, Cimbria Patterson, to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thankful for you to be here today. Thanks for having me on. Yay. So uh, are, are you, did you grow up on a farm your whole life? I mean, is, how did you get to this point where we're going we're gonna to discuss what we're discussing? Uh, I'm from Los Angeles. 
I call myself a tar baby. Um, so no, I was escaping and we had a 15 year old and a 10 year old and I landed in Cedar city. It was a two year stop. We did not buy a farm. We were on an acre, which seemed like a hundred. Mm-hmm. We were not going to farm. And it was my 10 year old daughter that actually started this whole thing. Your 10 year old daughter. Yeah. That is so, awesome. We got to meet her too. Yeah, that's who you should have on if you want to talk about farming. She's probably not home right now. I'd have her on with you. That would be awesome. (laughs) Yes, we should have thought of that. But um, Mm. if you're talking about the center, that's what I ended up doing. So when Mm. she was, she brought sheep home. She looked at this open space because she was in the San Fernando Valley and this looked like she could do anything here. So she brought home sheep. She brought home a horse. She started planting stuff and she started selling it. And at 14, she started a CSA, if you know what that is, Community Supported Agriculture. Mm -hmm. She had four shareholders. She didn't really do it with my permission, but she had to have me involved because she said she was delivering, but she couldn't drive. Mm -hmm. So I helped her. And then I realized she was kind of serious. And I said, I think I can help you do a website. So the next year, she said, I'll take 10 shareholders. And at 18, I said, this is serious. You're taking real people's money that we don't know. And so she cut it off at 18. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up working for her. Her dad ended up working for her. She's 27 now. She runs the whole operation and it's a huge story. What an inspiration. Like I said, this is some of the backstory you only sometimes discover when you're on the air doing this interview live, which I am so appreciative of. And it sounds like she's an amazing soul here Amazing. to do extraordinary work. Now you had established this thing called red acre center and we have it redacrecenter.org linked up in the show notes today by feeding ourselves and our neighbors first. We, uh, the world will be fed. And I, you know, this has been a big part of our journey here of discovery of realizing that food doesn't just magically appear on diesel trucks in stores that we can, we can buy, you know? Yeah. It has for a long time in our lifetime, but to consider, cons- consider that it will continue at in forever. I think that's naive and dangerous. And so there's been a great movement to do what your daughter was inspired to do and that you've helped her to do. And that inspires me to be here with you to talk about this. So are you asking me a question? I'm trying to digest everything you just <laughs> said. Sometimes I just have statements and, and you just got to go with it. That's just <laughs> okay, got it. I was like, is that a question or a comment? Um, yeah. But it opens up the... Uh, journey that you are on, your family is on, inspired by your daughter, and now how it impacts that larger world, like through this uh, redacrecenter.org. So perhaps we need to learn a little bit about that right now. How can people participate? Well, what is it all about? That kind of thing. Could it be duplicated elsewhere? That's where we're at. It should be duplicated because I know you had Pete Kennedy on and our only source was national. We had no one to go to, but we knew about Farm to Consumer Defense Fund. Um, we knew Weston A. Price, and my daughter was 14, so um, she says she's the homeschool project that got out of hand. So I wasn't really watching her, and I don't know. You're in the middle of nowhere in Cedar City 17 years ago, and uh, she wanted a farm stand, and her dad built her a farm stand, and she put raw milk in there that she had milked from her animals. And we found out that that was illegal. (laughs) And it was kind of interesting how that was all brought to light. And uh, she received a cease and desist order, actually two of them. And uh, 
my take on it was, well, I guess we're done. And her take on it was, I'm going to solve this problem. And she went to our county commissioner. She went to our county planner. And then she realized these were state laws. And she found a mentor. And this woman helped her write this bill initially, our first bill. And I noticed you had uh, Connor Boyack on from Libertas. And he it, he was young and starting then as well. And he told us, kind of set us out on this path of how we could do this. And we went up to the Capitol. Sarah was 19. She, the first time she went, she was 17. And her dad said, you can't go till you're old enough to vote. So we came back when she was 19. We came back with this one ask. It was to make herd shares legal which only in a few states had ever been made illegal. And to be honest, it was beginner's luck. We went up there, Connor pointed us in a few directions and Sarah with her tenacity never, I thought we'd go up a couple times. I didn't know what the word lobbying meant. I didn't, we didn't have any idea what we were doing. So wow. uh, Far, uh, Farm Bureau opposed the bill. Utah Department of Food and Agriculture opposed the bill. The Health Department opposed the bill and Associated Grocers opposed the bill. And it ended up becoming the most talked about bill on the Hill. It ended up passing. And what year was this? uh, 2015. 2015. So, you know, I know Utah is one of the states where uh, raw milk sales are fully legal. uh, And there are battles around uh, that in other states. And of course, the cross state lines from a federal FDA perspective is bizarre. I've I've participated in protests along those lines, broadcast live from some of them as well. Uh, Yet, I I know that there's some level of state oversight, I think, you know, obviously to be sure that everything's good. But tell me about the journey again, a little bit. It it won despite all of the opposition. And I didn't realize how in critical your daughter was to that passage uh there what is this picture we're looking at right here from your website so that is that is another bill we passed so we came back several years later and we're we're not done with raw milk because it is not available in any store you still have to own 52 percent of a store to be able to sell raw milk we got we passed a bill that got rid of used to you couldn't sell it in a store that had pasteurized milk that's gone you okay. couldn't have her shares. That's gone. So this piece that you see in the back, this was uh, actually Redmond. Redmond's idea was they wanted to be able to take it in a milk truck. And my daughter's idea was no way, call it something else because not everyone can afford a truck. So it's called a mechanized mobile unit. So <laughs> any it. way you can do that. I mean, Redmond has the money and there's the yes. beautiful truck. And we have a picture yeah. of Sally Fallon in front of one of those trucks. Yeah, we're going there. We're going there for... We're going to one of their places for dinner tonight. To, to, to I know we appreciate them so much. Their uh, investment in quality local food, including yeah. raw, real milk, uh, in, in a mechanized unit delivery system. Yeah, they came up with the truck, and that was actually at our farm and food conference. They drove that down okay. from Salt Lake, and Sally was there, and Joel was there, and it was just a great win for us because she was so against them making her shares illegal. She was mm-hmm. not happy with the state of Utah, so. This was a big win to see that undone. And we've we've made cream and butter legal. That was two years ago. We're coming mm. back this session to say, hey, how about a legal pathway for a licensed raw milk dairy to be able to make any product legally, just like you can with pasteurized milk? So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how that goes in January. I was just at a, a health freedom conference. 
uh, one day event in Pittsburgh, outside of Pittsburgh with our friends at health hut stores. And, uh, we had a nice, very nice lady who was there to speak about something called farm match, which is trying to match people who are growers with people who are, you know, eaters, which is all of us and people who are promoters as well. And another innovative idea of like, there are farms all over that people don't know how to make these connections. So I love the innovation that's happening. And in fact, she gifted me a block of raw Amish raw organic Colby cheese, the creamiest, most delicious cheese. Oh, I'm just like, I want some right now, now that we're talking about it. So uh, I look, I can't wait seriously to meet your daughter and have her on the show as the inspiration for what's happening here. And, and more young people like that are going to save us more than any of the old people that thought government was the pro the answer to, the, the, to every problem. And she's fought back and said, get out of our way. We need access to real food. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you do want to meet her. She's, she's, she's the one who puts me up to this. So she, she, this is her retirement plan for me. <laughs> awesome. This is her Sarah. Can't farm forever. So she's like, you do the center. I'll do the farm. Cause she honestly was doing both. So we have a picture right now on, on screens. That is that Sarah G Patterson. That's your daughter. Yeah, that's her. What an inspiration. I tell you what, we're in good hands with young people like that. Uh, I'm appreciative of that. And like, cause we'll do some follow-up on there. So I see here, uh, on the website, redacrecenter.org, there's a local food map. Obviously you're not covering this everywhere, but I'd love to see, and I hear of things being duplicated around the country. This is again, a great movement. Um, you mentioned to me that that event where you had Joel Salatin and Sally Fallon Morella at, at you're going to have, you're planning to have that in January of 2023 coming up. Yes. Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah. That's Tell it. me about this. So. Um, there are a few things we've done really well. <laughs> Policy work is one. This conference is another. We're really proud of it. We held it in 2020, 2021, 2022. And this one will be, you know, we're doing everything again back to normal. And it is the 12th, 13th, and 14th. And uh, that year, you're showing slides of last year. We were okay. recognizing. We, we stay very with the with the resources that we have, we are very Utah focused. That's our goal. And um, we're give, we give an award out first last year was the first year that was that slide to um, someone who we feel is doing something in the local food movement in Utah. Mm -hmm. Even though we bring in lots of people from out of state, we're yeah. very Utah focused. And the food map, I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. we, we got, you know, COVID knocked everybody back in some respects. So that we hope to be the gold standard in Utah. And we have somebody outside of Utah because they're a member. So if you're a member of the center, which we, we did our first membership drive in 2019 and then put it on hold until we just did our first, our second one and the first one in a couple of years. So everyone who's a member will be on that map and it's farm stands and uh, like Redmond could be on there. Um, mm -hmm. Anyone who's supporting local and small, that is our goal. If they're a so member. They're, they're little uh, green like push pins. They look yeah. like images. Of so you click on that and then you find yeah. places in, in, you know, again, we have to focus locally. This is important. Yeah. I know that we have listeners and viewers all over the world, but the point is, doing this and duplicating it locally yes, because duplicate this yeah, because yeah. that's how we started out this whole conversation. So that's what I was saying. We only knew farm to consumer legal defense fund and thank goodness they, they were on the phone with my daughter that 2015 year, they ended up helping um, fund us 
for, but in the end, they said, you guys, look, they're here and gone, right? Like they are trying to hit the hot spots across the country. They can't babysit us or hold our hands forever. And that's when my daughter was like, we need to do something. We need to become a something. Because what they asked up at the Hill was, who are you with? My daughter's like, I'm with her. I mean, we weren't with anybody. So I, if everyone could duplicate this model in their state, you know, or some version of it, like Texas has a great um, version of us, Farfa, Farms, Ranches, mm-hmm. Freedom, I think it's called. So yeah, I, I think it's really important because once it's federal, once it's big, then you don't know what's going on in your county, your city, and your state. And it's so different, especially with food. There's so exactly. many nuances. And, you yeah. know, it, it's really important to do something with food mm-hmm. statewide or countywide or yeah. however local you can make it. All right, Cynthia, let me pause here for a moment just to say thank you to one of uh, the, the folks that supports our uh, ability to do this show, Absolutely. Health, Freedom, and Healing Liberty. Uh, my friend Tor is out of California. He developed a delimiting-based pesticide that you know, if you have a bug infestation problem, we do not advocate using toxic cancer-causing chemicals. We don't. But in nature, uh, it's interesting, the citrus fruit, the, the peel, Within it is something called delimiting, and they've found that it has a, a, a great ability to uh, di- dispel or get rid of some of the pests like the ants. Certain parts of the South, fire ants are really hazardous, uh, and roaches in your house or even aphids. Um, there are other ways to remediate that, but I wanted to give you that option, everybody, that if you have a, a bug infestation problem in the winter, they come inside sometimes from the cold. I don't want you spraying things that will kill your pets or your kids or yourself. So the delimiting is found in Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. And you can go to your local Ace Hardware, where I pay in goldbacks uh, because they accept that at the local, depending on where you are, uh, but also at Whole Foods and direct, orangeguard.com. And when you get a, a bottle of this, take a picture with it, send it into Super Don, ask RSB at gmail.com. As you can see, some of you guys have done that already. Awesome. And one of you will win. Maybe some more orange guard, maybe something else. We're going to do a, a drawing, a giveaway pretty soon on that. So take part in that and, uh, you know, eschew the toxic poisons. You know, even though you're not using those toxic poisons, maybe your neighbor is. Maybe you want to introduce them to these safer options. And and that would be a great service. I know not everybody's ready to hear it, but my gosh, you know, we're all, you know, connected, you know, in, on a local level. And that's where we need to work most intensely which is where uh, Sim- Simbria and her family are working. And I love that. And uh, it's just an ins- inspiration, quite honestly, all that you're doing there. And I appreciate it so much. I'm just sorry I haven't connected with you sooner than this. And I don't I know. Knew, I, I didn't know you were in Utah. <laughs> hope, uh, hopefully we can connect maybe at your event. I know I've got an event in Florida early January, but maybe I'm back in time to be down there at your event, maybe broadcast from the event. I don't know, but that's something we can talk off off the air about. Right. We'd love it. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, so as far as, you know, the, the, the broad span of things, we're talking people that grow vegetables, we're people uh, talking people that farm animals as well. I mean, it's all about the food production and the processes that provide sustenance to the people in need, uh, which we cannot rely on this national and international just-in-time delivery system. That is an artificial reality that has been created a blip on the entire history of man's radar screen. And that may likely fall apart as more and more attempts at destroying energy production, et cetera, happen. And so we must become self-sufficient. We must become connected to those that grow the food or also become those that grow our own food. Yeah, that 
that's the reason we have that saying that we do. I mean, the bigger producers keep saying we feed the world, we feed the world. And we're like, I think we need to back out of that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a problem to think that we can, we might be feeding the world, but we're not even feeding our neighbor. And it's, it's a real thing to look at. And and I get it. I mean, you know, it's these guys, they were told to produce more and they did what, you know, farmers were busy. They, they love that land. They've lived on it. It's, it's not what they do. It's who they are. And we need to keep that conversation going because they, they could turn it around. Not, not as fast, but they could, and they could put that yeah. land in a totally different kind of production and start feeding people locally instead of keep thinking I've got to be on the commodity train. Right. You know, feeding the world is a, is an interesting concept, but that's an impossible task. You know, it notably feeds the world. I mean, God will feed it spiritually. Yeah. But from the standpoint of physical uh, sustenance for the bodies that we inhabit while we're here, we must do that again, like it always has been done locally. Yeah, And it's again, sure. the anomaly, the blip in, in history is what we've experienced the last, you know, merging a hundred years ago with, uh, you know, oil based economies and the ability to ship things and, and freeze things and, and cool things. I mean, there have been great advancements. I'll acknowledge that, that have made life pretty easy relative to our ancestors. But what happens in the collapse and grid down scenario that, you know, countries and people on the planet have experienced throughout creation. And, yeah. And you, you, know, you talked about health. I think the worst part of that all is that that convenience ends up being very inconvenient. When unhealthy. Yes. Yep. yes. I mean, being sick has got to be the worst thing that can happen to you because you're done. Right. If you don't feel good, mm-hmm. if your health is poor you, and you can't always pay to fix that, all the money in the world can't fix that sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. And how much of sickness is related to poor food choices? Oh, uh, I would say almost all of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, uh, it's funny because I, I go work out at the, the kickboxing gym and there are a lot of young people in their 30s and 20s that go, I'm in my 50s and I'm like running circles around them and they just joke about it. They go, oh, yeah, well, I'd have to eat like Robert. I like, yeah, that's how our ancestors ate when food was called food. It, yeah. it, you know, those that try to feed the world are utilizing methods of production that are harmful to health, even though they can provide calories. Uh, for sustenance. They are not really sustaining metabolic functions at the deepest levels where the minerals are required because they're not in the food. And then we have to counteract all the toxic poisons they add in to feed the world, uh, which is again, calories. And if you're growing something, I mean, beside when you're out there and you know, I mean, we always had a garden, but having my daughter and watching her, her farm manager, director of botanical affairs, he left he, he had a degree, he was a, a software engineer and he took a sixth of the pay and works twice as many hours, <laughs> but it's healing. Like it, no matter what scale, there's something about having your, being outside, right? Getting that sunshine, be working. I mean, if you can milk an animal, the more you can grow, the more you can do. I think it, it's not just the health of that food. It's the health of being outside in that soil and connecting with the earth and having that sunshine and being with animals. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a, the whole thing is more holistic. You know, I, I wouldn't yeah. mind dying earlier if that's what I was doing. Right. I don't want to live to 90 because I'm, you know, I'm pumped up on who knows what they're. Well, doing. yeah, you're hooked up to wires and, and tubes and things. And I've talked about quality of life, health span, not just lifespan uh, yet. 
there are times certainly in our past and sometimes presently, there are people that live into their nineties and hundreds and they don't die of a disease. Now they're the rarest anomaly as opposed to the rule, the exception seemingly, but the idea that because of modern agricultural practices, we're all living longer is a ruse. It's a scam. It's not well, we're true. We're going to die because those people who yeah. live to be a hundred were born in the twenties. They mm-hmm. they have a very different cell structure. My dad lived yeah. to be ninety seven and he was on a farm. They we haven't seen what the twenty somethings who got introduced when we realized what we were up to with corn and soy and what was mm-hmm. what the corn was in our food. It'll be interesting yeah. to see their lifespan. Well, we've already seen a reduction in expectation of lifespan for the younger generations, and now we're seeing what can be termed a massive die-off of died suddenly at younger ages. And this is, you know, related to these experimental injections more than anything, but it's just adding on to a whole heap of mess where people have given up on nature and food in reality, that is food and abandon it for injections and, and synthetic approvals from the fear and death administration, FDA approved drugs of which we have no deficiency. And all of these things are not in increasing lifespan, certainly not increasing health span, but if we can get back to work in our bodies, the way they're designed by God to be worked and then growing food and eating the food as it's grown, we have a whole different future ahead. It might look different than what we're used to, but I believe it will be much more fulfilling. Just like being able to dig in the dirt and feeling something about that. I was like, wow, there's something amazing about that. And I was a city slicker as a kid. I didn't know. I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't even know what a farm was. I read about them. I thought food came from the grocer's freezer and the fast food, you know, drive through. So I had to overcome a lot to get to where I am today. And the good news is wherever you are at this moment, if you change your life and your value system and begin to apply some of these things, the transformation of your future is on right now. Yeah. And I mean, mentally, I mean, that I think that's one of the conversations we need to have with big agriculture is you ask, you know, this is a plug for Bob Quinn, if you don't know who he is, he's he's been part of the organic movement, he's in Montana, and in his book, he talks about, we might have killed a lot of things, but the thing that was the most damaged is the best way to raise a family, and rural America was knocked out by knocking out I mean, that you live in a city that is no longer a city, your local, your local, everything is gone. And you're alone with five other farmers now that we're able to hang on. And that is the saddest part, even to me more because mentally now look what we've lost. And this Mm -hmm. is multi-generational that that's not going to happen anymore. We don't have small towns. We don't, you know. And hopefully, hopefully you see this surge, right? Mm-hmm. Rural America is growing again and you can have anything delivered to your door and you can work from home. So maybe we'll see that they'll want food from those yeah. neighborhoods and they'll, they'll come back. I think so. I, I think that's, that's the transition I sense is happening. We're in the midst of it. It doesn't feel like uh, some days like it is happening in the midst of all the news that you could turn off and do a lot better by focusing on your local community, your local family and uh, transition this way. So we got to connect with your daughter and get her on the show. There's the definite, we're going to have to get her out of the the garden for a moment anyway. Yeah, come she's in so we she's can, setting up for her share day today. I'm but, sure she is. I'm, yeah, she's busy. But uh, again, an inspiration that I want to have on this show to, to show, especially uh, young folks out there, that there is a different way to go through life. You, if you've been had a vision of your life and you're seeing it crumble, as a lot of young people say, you've ruined my life, all you old people. I'm like, well, we might have made some bad choices that resulted into what's happening today, but you can be part of that correction. And for all of us old people that are seeing the error of our ways or our parents' ways, 
working hard diligently to reestablish that connection to the source of our sustenance, for lack of a better way to say it. And uh, to see people like your daughter doing it just makes me happy. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, we need more voices and like you, you know, you just need to keep broadcasting this and keep having the conversation and, and be, be involved politically, know what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, she would never have been able to pass that first bill. It was a community phone calls came in and, yeah. and we did, she didn't know that community existed. She just had an idea and somebody found out and somebody found out and it, and it mm-hmm. had a ripple effect. And yeah, so. Wow. Well, look, we, we get together at these events you're going to host. We have it linked up in today's show notes. Uh, hopefully we'll Thanks. talk more about that event. Also, the Red Pill Expo is coming to Salt Lake City, November 12th and 13th. Salt Palace Convention Center, G. Edward Griffin and a whole lot of awesome folks, including I know some farmers are coming up and bringing some uh, unique soil uh, uh, recovery uh tools let's just say that uh to rehabilitate soils that have been destroyed that's a big part of the work as well so that we can successfully grow clean organic food that w- doesn't require much intervention in terms of or any in terms of chemical interventions to stop pests etc so there's a lot of things that are happening and I'm, I'm glad to be a little small part of it and i thank everybody for sharing the show sharing this show and sharing the links that we have in this show including to our you know discussion here uh, on redacrecenter.org that Symbria agrees we should duplicate. It isn't that we have to do one. If you're in one state, you have to do it for every other state. It's like inspire others to do it there too. That's where we win. That's where we survive and thrive again. And uh, Symbria, anything else you want to share before we wrap up today? No, just keep, let's keep talking. We'd love to see you at the conference, you know, go out, go out. It's fall. So it doesn't mean that you, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're done. Now you need to make sure you have food through the winter, right? Hit your farmer's markets. If there's any left and, yep. and find out who your local farmer is, find that farm stand and, and yeah. really focus on that. So. I went in, I haven't taken a picture of this. Usually I like to take pictures of what we're doing, like our greenhouses. We already have some uh, delicata squashes growing. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize because last year was our first year with doing greenhouses and we didn't do very well because it was just so new to us. And now I'm seeing the second year already major improvements in what we're going to be able to grow through the fall season. And then we start again after the solstice for the, you know, the late or let's say the start of winter moving into spring, believe it or not, you can grow even in cold climates year round. But go to people that already have made all the mistakes so you don't have to make the same mistakes. Learn from those. That's wisdom. Learning from those who have already screwed up so that you don't have to do that. Okay? That's the wisdom I'm asking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a saying, some people learn from others' mistakes. Some fools don't know other. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Anyway. All right. Symbria Patterson, big hugs to you and your whole family. Look forward to seeing you soon, as well as connecting with your daughter on the air. So let her know we're, we're, we're coming after her for a good thing to communicate what she's passionate about as well. And uh, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Have a great day. Thanks. Redacrecenter.org. Y'all check it out. Lynn, the show. These are the people that truly inspire me. And, you know, the healing I talk about here, when I say the power to heal is yours, the power to grow food is yours. All of that is yours. The question is, are you going to take it back from those who have stolen it from you? Or in reality, you kind of let them take it. You're like, oh, I can't do that. That's too much. That's too hard. Any number of excuses we've had, or we just plain didn't know because we got grewed up in a city slicker kind of way. And we didn't know. I didn't know. All of these things that I talk about are so inspiring to me that I've actually put into implementation. I wasn't doing when I grew up. I wasn't doing as a young adult either. And it came later. 
Yet how urgent is it? I couldn't express how urgent it is. You feel it. Maybe you know it. And maybe that's why you've already done the things that Super Don has done for the first time. So Super D, what an amazing day on the Robert Scott Bell Show. I thought very cool. From a psychic ambulance discussion, <laughs> it was way more than that, as you know. Uh, to You know, it, it, every once in a while, I kind of take a step back and I kind of look at, at the show um, and and compare like what were we doing a year ago or a couple years ago or, or what 10 years ago yeah you know and it's just like the the explosion of different topics and guests mm-hmm. and stuff that we talked to it really it's really cool it is amazing i am amazing. and speaking of of like 10 years ago or 10, mm-hmm. i came across my facebook memories today oh yeah what was it seven years ago <laughs> This this was, and for those of you maybe haven't been around in a while, haven't followed me on, on Facebook <laughs> like that. Yeah. Robert was in a play and yes. they uh they they dressed him up in this mm-hmm. outfit. Yeah. And I I couldn't help. I was just like, wow, I've got to do something with that. So I turned him into Gandalf, uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Oh my god. A lot of people, look at that, 57 people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there were a lot of fun comments and stuff like that. But that was in my my that was seven years ago, you said? Seven year, yeah, let me get rid yeah. of the graphic there. Um, yeah, seven years ago on this day, wow. seven years ago in 2000. Well, yeah, I was in a, I was in a play, and actually, it was a, a group of Africans that were putting it on, and they asked me to be in it, and they actually did this beard with all of the authentic yeah. ways to make it look like it was mine. Dude, that's yeah. like Hollywood. Yeah, that was like I mean, late. Yeah. Next level makeup people. And I was yeah. like, okay, I had my glasses off. I couldn't see the audience. So I was just like, all right, whatever. Just tell me what to do. And, uh, that was, that was fun. That yeah. was fun. Hey, uh, kudos to my daughter. She was in, uh, um, she's in the improv troupe and they just had their improv, uh, event of the fall season at, at her school. I was flying back, so I couldn't see it, but my wife got some video of it. Hilarious. Just love it. She's like the leader of the troupe where there's not supposed to be a leader because she's the senior member of the improv troupe. And they were invited and hired, in fact, to play uh, another school's event where they were doing some drama competition. And the last uh, half hour, 45 minutes, when the uh, all the drama had happened, they were th- there to do some comic relief. And they did an improv show for that group. And they, they actually got paid. So now I can say my, my daughter's a professional improvisational troupe member, if you will. That's, nice. She's gone pro. Yeah, she's weekend. such an underachiever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you had to had to struggle to try and find something there, right? Yeah, and she drew the uh the the whole picture for the event and everything and uh yeah, it was very cool. Song about it, performed it and Right? Uh, no, she's hilarious. I just so so proud of her and her willingness to be up there and be silly. Uh and another thing just to brag on my daughter for a moment. Yesterday she went to school and she was wearing two different boots. No. Oh. Not on purpose. He's like, I couldn't find the other boot, so I just grabbed the other one. I'm like, how many 17-year-old high school girls will go to school and not care that she's wearing not identical matching boots? I was like, dude, she's amazing. I was just like observing Absolutely. that going. Yeah, you know, that is just, that's a level of self-confidence. Right? I'm like, wow. How does yeah, people that age don't have? I, I don't even think, I mean, I had some self-confidence, but I, I, you know, there was some awkwardness as a teenager that I can remember going, oh, I don't know if I'd wear the separate wrong socks even. Right. So very impressive. Yeah. So let's see what else we want to cover. Oh, by the way, the AMA, for those of you who are not yet patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell show, you have time to sign up right now, seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Pacific. We got her ask me anything via zoom. 
And did that get up so everybody has the link yeah, for those? That... In, uh, I put it up this morning. Okay. And so it's, it's there on Patreon. Um, so if you're a Patreon member and you didn't get the email, you should have. Yeah. But you know what email is sometimes. So all you got to do is just log into Patreon. Um, mm. Yeah. It'll be the post, the most recent post that's up there. Okay. If for some reason you're having trouble, just let me know. Yeah, and we we do a lot of giveaways, a lot of fun gifts that we do. Versus uh, so the now, trip. So you you tease this at the beginning in the preview, yeah, so show right. people. Okay, so the things you're going to be giving away today, in addition to some other stuff, which we always have different things. Yeah, well, this one you're going to have to really decide if you want to win this. But <laughs> I, I've invited Laban and Anna, at least Laban, uh, the world's best courage coach, to join us at least for a time on our AMA, like a special guest. Because I know how much you want the dirt dished on me. And Laban and I, we've gotten a chance the last couple of months to hang out a lot together. In fact, they've been living with us off and on uh, as they've been transitioning, figuring out where they're going next and all of that. And uh, they went to Florida last week. And on their journey to South Florida, uh, they met somebody who, who, from their own backyard of hot peppers, so it's organic and clean, made something that's like a million on the Scoville unit. It's called Dragon's Breath. Okay, now wait a minute. Yeah. A million? Yeah, apparently a million. Maybe over a million okay. on the scope. So maybe yeah. people need to sign a waiver before you give this to them. That's true. I we should do that. But may, there are people that like real spicy. So think about that. The all it's not always a massive number of people that join us live on the AMA. So the odds of winning are ever greater than anything else you'll do in life. In fact, a lot of people have won stuff. In this case, you might only have one or two or three people that want it at all, or maybe one person. So they'll automatically win it. If that's Dude, I didn't realize it was one million on the Scoville. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been told. We'll ask Laban about it when we are on the AMA next later. So uh, at yeah. the at the AMA today, you will need yeah. to have a Bible, and you have to put your hand on it and raise yes. your right hand and say, "I will not come and beat up Robert Scott Bell." Yeah, uh, because this was super hot, and we we will I deny won. we had anything to do with it. Uh, sure. It's just okay. a gift that you want if okay. you want it. All right. So we're also talking about food chain disruptions and things. This last story here, it's over at Natural Blaze, and it's from the Mississippi River Basin. And a captain there is warning about a disaster that it's in. we're in the midst of. It says, he says, it's disastrous. Mississippi barge captain warns about supply chain crisis as water levels have dropped in the Mississippi River to, I don't know if they're all-time lows, but they're pretty darn yeah. low. Yeah. The, the, the low low, it says it's closed a portion of the Mississippi River earlier this week, and they're having trouble navigating all of those barges that, you know, basically deliver food up and down. Uh, and that's another aspect to supply chain difficulties that threaten our ability to have access to just in time food delivery everywhere. Magically, it just is there. And it is naive at this point, dangerously naive to believe that, oh, well, it's, it's just going to be fine. We'll always have food that will magically appear. I'm like, stop it. Now, it's wonderful that it can and it does. I acknowledge it. I'm not producing enough food to sustain myself or my family yet. But that also comes into mind of, have you been doing things to store some food for times of famine and drought, for instance? Go back to the Joseph story in the Bible and realize these are lessons for us at any point in time, despite technological advances and modern agricultural practices and trucks just-in-time delivery. This is why I'm doing more and more. And dearly departed friend Liam Chef really instigated a lot. He was really heavy on you got to grow, you got to grow, you got to grow. And that's when we were back in Florida. We started that. We were just renting at the time, but we did it anyway. And Super Don's doing the same thing. 
growing, 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 and he has more than he could actually utilize, and that's abundance. And in abundance, you have the capacity to help others or even trade for other things moving forward. Or if you grow hot peppers to, to do a million Scoville unit dragon's breath, whatever that is, you might find that there are people that are interested in that. You'll have something to trade. So there's always good in having more than you need for the sake of helping others. Because if you can't help yourself, you can't help others. Or providing a means by which your family could survive economic downturns, where you have something of value that you can exchange for something of value. Somebody needs this, you need that, and they, you find a way to work together. So these are some of the things that we haven't had to consider because we have these magic pieces of paper that printed out of thin air. And now we find out that, dude, that's not so good either as the value of each of those is diminished over time, even though it's artificially propped up for a time. How long? I don't know. But in the meantime, look into gold backs, look into gold, silver, and lead as needed and other things. So you have an ability to work through and move through uh, life with minimal, let's say, desperation hiccups. Hiccups are going to happen in life. They always do. So uh, thank you all for being here on the show. A couple of more minutes here as we wrap up, then we'll do a, a shorter bonus round today. Oh, Dawn, our buddy, our friend Dawn stocks up on hot sauce too. Yeah, I mean, why not? Hot sauce is amazing. I don't know about this stuff at a million Scoville units. That might be dangerous, but some people are into it. So why not? I'll put it out there. So if you haven't become part of our patron family, please do is a little as five bucks a month, four ninety nine a month, or all in one a discount for the year. It helps us to do the things we need to do to keep up with the technology, you know, to keep broadcasting and super Don, you put up, what was the, I keep forgetting the name of it road, something, uh, uh, this, this interface that we want to upgrade to. So I can continue my, my remotes. Yeah, really got you interested in this thing. Didn't you I? did. Yeah. I'm really, you know, I, I get this thing like, yeah, we need to do this. Yep. Somehow we need to do this. I just, and, it, it was just funny. Cause I just happened to have yes. Was it yesterday? I think it was. I think or? so. Yeah. Yeah. I just had this sitting on my desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, BSW is, it's just, they have all kinds of broadcasting stuff and you know, like that. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's called the, the, the road. road. Pro pod, uh, Roadcaster. Roadcaster Pro Two, yeah, and they do have the one down here too. But in yeah, any case, so yeah. we'd love to be able to upgrade, and that you know everybody that supports us in in this way keeps us you know to be able to have the occasionally we have to do these things just to keep it going. So thank you for your consideration there. Yeah, also website somewhere. So yeah, somebody and thinking about the gifts. Hey, the Synergy Sauna. We had a, a webinar last week. Hopefully everybody took advantage of the special offer. 20% basically. It was a great discount. And it is sauna season. It's cold out. I'm waiting for you to break yours out and move, remove the Barbie dollhouse. It's been yeah, a couple so of years. Isn't she hasn't she grown out of that dollhouse yet? The kids still come in here and play with it. So uh, it's a win-win situation for me in a way. Cause okay. But in any case, and you know what, actually you, I had an idea yesterday. Let's go to break. And if okay. you want to stick around, um, okay. I had, a, I had an idea. Oh, okay. Um, was it yesterday, I think it was you and I were talking, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. I wanted to add a new feature to the website, um, that, oh yeah, people could use. So we'll talk about that when we come back. To break. All right. Stand by. Bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show coming up 60 seconds from now. If you're wa- watching or listening to the podcast later, it might be a blip and it's there. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thanks for your support. Thanks for sharing the show. Thanks to our wonderful guests today as well. And, uh, you yeah, know, the power to heal and grow food is yours. 
We're back. Bonus round begins now. I, I spent all day. I didn't even talk once about my uh, kickboxing exploits. Super Don, are you proud of me? I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm still in the lead for this week's challenge, which is the max out challenge. Which is cool. Yeah. All nine rounds, full, full tilt. And it was a real recovery from the previous week. So if you missed yesterday's discussion of that, that was kind of cool. And how did you like uh, Pat Militech? Militich is how you say it. Militich. Militich. Yeah. He was awesome. Another guy focused on organic food, agriculture, rehabilitating the soils. How cool is that? Thematically, you're getting UFC fighters that are all in on the stuff we're talking about. I love that. Yeah. They are, you know what? They're, they, they're, they're good at fighting, mm -hmm. but they're people too. Outside yeah. of that, right. So <laughs> it's, it was, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I'm a big fan of, of MMA and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to have a little bit of celebrity thing going on on the show sometimes. See, as much as you're a fan of all of the MMA and fighting stuff, it's like, I'm amazed that you, you haven't taken that up eventually that you would you know, well, try it. Yeah, you know what? I was actually very into wrestling was a thing that I, 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 uh, I wanted to do when I was mm -hmm. in school, but I've got an eye issue where, uh, the doctor that I, I was, going to at the time when I was a kid said that I had to be very careful about getting any blows to the head mm -hmm. because my, um, the nerve or where the, the, whatever, you know, the, is was stretched really super thin and then a really hard blow could cause me to go blind. Am I really? Honest? I didn't, so, I don't think I remember that. Well, dude, I, I was like a kid. How would we you remember? We weren't doing the show back when we were kids. When you I was it? junior high, no. No, okay. All right, so I'm excused I from knowing that. I wanted to do it so bad, and I wasn't yeah. able to. So, gotcha. you know, another another life, maybe, I would have been able to do something like that, but it just was not meant to be. Hmm. So, but anyway, all right. So wait, 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 wait. Well, before we jump into that, do you still have that problem, or is that just a kid thing when you were younger? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just went with, I mean, you know, then I got older and life happened and all that kind of stuff. And so, okay. I don't, I just, yeah, it's not something that I've, dude, when would I have time for that? Are you kidding me? I know. <laughs> well, I certainly have enough time to eat and yeah. <laughs> sleep yeah. and work. And, 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 and then you, and then you go and have ideas, which means more work. What do you want? What, what was your idea that you're thinking of here? Well, you know, and I, I'm sitting here like racking my brain. I can't remember what it was that inspired it, but we were having a conversation yesterday about something right towards mm -hmm. the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, you were talking about, you know, there were some people talking in the chat room and you were saying, uh, let's, let's keep it in the RSB family. And it was like somebody oh, had yeah, yeah. the ability to do something for somebody and they, they had a skill or a business or something like that. Right. And we went off the air and I was like, you know what? It would be really cool to, mm -hmm. um, create like almost like a, like an RSB family marketplace kind of thing on the website where it was like, if you have a business, uh, or a skill, yeah. That you could, you would like to put out there. We would create a space for it on the website where people could go and mm -hmm. you could put on there what it is you do. And like, you know, somebody else, you know, came over to the website and they're like, oh, you print t-shirts or you, 
you right, uh, like Lori Harvey. Yeah, or yeah. or you you know do the you make you know food or or you're a a, a a health practitioner or something like that. We could create a spot on the website where you could put that information um, out there for people mm-hmm. to know this is what you have to offer. So, all right. So so supporters, fans of the Robert Scott Bell Show, some kind of section where we would want to support you as well. You mm-hmm. have a business or service that our community would like to know about. That, that would be great. So you kind of think, all right, I, I need this. Hey, is somebody in the family, so to speak, providing yeah. that service or good? Yeah. yeah. I like that idea a lot. I so do. I just have to figure out, I've got to wrap my head around it. Um, okay. To figure out, you know, what that would look like and how it put on there and, and make Would it. that be like an add-on for our patron supporters, particularly? First first tier, well, I, I think. think. We should open it up. I think we should okay. open it up to, to everybody. But how do you qualify if somebody's a real fan or a fake fan? Just kind of get, I want to get a mention. A fake fan? Yeah, pretend fan. I see. So you don't want it to end up being a spammy kind of a thing where somebody just happens to come along and go, hey. I don't know. I mean, it just occurs to me that that happens a lot. That's in, true. In see, this is this is a thought process because I haven't yeah. obviously haven't thought it through beyond that. But yeah, um, I want to re- reward people that are really here. You know? Yeah. Well, let's just put it. Let's just say it would be at our discretion at this point. Okay. We know who you are. Right. You um, know where you live. Wait. Somebody just pops up from nowhere and it's like Joe Blow and I don't know who it is and we'll we'll do some vetting mm-hmm. on the situation. Um, so I mean it's at our discretion what it is we put up there, but I thought it'd be kind of cool. Cool. Community. Sherry Neal likes the idea. See, Sherry's someone who we obviously put up as a she's a practitioner as well. Right. Of course, many of you already support her, you know, maybe know Sherry and a lot of the things we all do together. Thanks to choose to be healthy.com Jonathan as well. Uh, but right. yeah, I like, I like it a lot. Maybe and I think help each other out. stay away from any like MLM type stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. Just yeah. yeah. Then, then it just opens the door to everybody with, you know, with something that's going to want to put it up there and then it kind of dilutes. Yeah. If you got something else and that'll lead to that, that's fine. But all right. So Pat, RSB, when I was a smoker, I could eat some pretty hot peppers, but that was till I quit 33 years ago. No more super duper ultra mega Doppler hot peppers for me when <laughs> I got my taste buds back. All right. So Pat's not going to be in the running for this. She's not going to probably try to the trivia question to get the. Oh, hey, Jeff Herzog is in the uh, the, the chat room. Jeff yeah. is back. Yeah, yeah. I just the I, Phoenix rising from the ashes, right? I think you did mention it at one point, but I just want to make sure because I put the banner back up today. Yeah, um, that his radio America USA is back up and running, and he is uh, broadcasting our show on the website like he was before. So, welcome back, Jeff. Glad you're glad you're still around. Yeah. So, back up on the the list of places you can listen to the Robert Chat Bell Show. Some are for watching um, Radio America USA. Jeff Herzog, welcome back, my brother. Welcome back. One more thing, I'm going to apologize here because it's been. I, I kind of put this away and um, forgot it briefly. What is it? But I got in the mail. You're going to be jealous. Uh-oh. Uh, from Christy, our mm. friend, Christy, our loyal listener, Christy. Yeah. In the chat room goes as KM Ketchell. Yeah. Uh, she sent me She sent me something in the mail. What did and she send you? There's a letter here. It says, hi, Super D. Here are a few things to help with your spring garden. Out of all the gardening books I've bought over the years, these are my favorite. They're great for planning and troubleshooting. I'm sorry I missed the season. My broken ankle kept me. Remember she broke her ankle? Yeah, yeah. About that. 
So I open up this package, and in it is uh, this this book here, Great Garden Companions, a companion planting system for a beautiful chemical-free vegetable garden. Nice. Yeah, what grows well together with other things. It's- yes. And, but wait, there's more. Uh-huh. Another book, uh, the all-new Square Foot Gardening. Mm-hmm. Square yeah, that's what we did the first year before we learned the modified Hugo culture, but the square foot gardens were very successful. So there's, there's that book there. And then there's a seeding square. You familiar with this? Yeah, I've seen those. They're like, they're already pre-ready to go. You just drop them in and they go. They go. I, I, I haven't, haven't done anything with it, but it's like this, this square thing. And it has all these like holes and things that you can use for planting mm-hmm. the seeds and all that kind of stuff. And you're like that. So Dude. I officially have not said thank you to Christy. Farmer Super Don. Love it. Thank uh, you, so Christy. Cool. I just just this uh this morning uh went out there because I mean boy, when a when a plant freezes, it sure looks sad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they don't do well with the hard freeze. Pulled everything up and got everything kind of laid flat. I've got to take pictures though. The greenhouses this year for it's our second year, really, if you will. First year it was a, I don't know, it was pretty dismal. We got some stuff, but it wasn't really good. I'm liking where it's going this year. And I haven't even done like super uh, soil remediation stuff that we have been talking about recently. And I get, I think we're going to supercharge stuff as we do that. And I'll be able to share, you know, my experience with everybody too. So I'm excited and I'm excited that you get to do it too. Yep. I got everything all pretty much all pulled up except for the kale the kale dude i mean that it's the root system on that thing mm, yeah it's like a tree trunk it's pretty detailed yeah and so i gotta i gotta work on that and then i, I guess you know i'm gonna go out there and you were saying mulch it and I'm like, yeah well ideally mulch it would be great because I, I don't how do you mulch something i mean it's like I have a well mulch. if you have a lawnmower you can run it over that helps no that'd be difficult though in a, in a raised bed no 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 you take it out of there and run it over mulch, then you can collect the mulch outside of the bed from outside of the bed. And then, you know, then you can use it. You follow what I'm saying here? I guess I wouldn't be able to do it out in the front though. I'd have to like literally take all the stuff, take it into the, into the back. Yeah. Well, wherever, I mean, well, as long as you can gather it, collect it back just, up, just whack the crap out of it with a shovel and just chop it up. You could, that's a lot more work effort, but you could. Yes. So you should encourage me to do that then. Uh, well, look, I, I just, the more surface area, the more See, efficient right? it is. Yeah. Reverse psychology there, you know? Right. All right. It's I thought I was driving right. you too hard and I'm just trying to go easy on you. And I guess, yeah. I guess I, I just need to be the taskmaster. Yeah. The zucchini, man. When I, when I pulled it out of the ground, I was looking at it. It has one root, system, yeah. one root. Mm-hmm. And the thing just branched off. Everywhere. And, oh, I'm just like, it's all comes down to this one root here. It was pretty crazy. That is so cool that you understand what these things and how they draw from the soil, all the minerals necessary to grow these miraculous things that we can eat. Very cool. Now, when is our AMA? It's, is it less than an hour away? Is that possible? No, no, no. It, what? It's an hour and 52 minutes from now. Oh, whew, I was getting nervous. I was like, dude, we're going to hardly have a break. 7 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Um, yeah. And so we'll be getting together and, you know, if, if you're listening for, uh, and, and you're not a member of Patreon, you haven't been to an AMA, you know, we ne- literally never know what it is, is, is going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
we just show up and things happen and yeah. we talk and people have questions and they have stories about, you know, what's going on, you know, in their lives and, and experiences yeah. they've had. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we really haven't had like a real Q and a in a, in a while. But yeah, there's quite, there's peppered with questions occasionally, but it's not as intense as it once was, but that's why I, I thought of having special guests on today to kind right. of dish the dirt. Now, this is also where I get to, you know, yell at Super Don in front of all the patrons because it's like family. I can yell at Super Don in front of family and everybody understands it. I'm like all the frustration. I, no, <laughs> that doesn't, I don't think that happens. Does it happen? <laughs> Certain people are enticed by pugilistic yeah, uh, activities. We give each other a hard time. Um, yeah. I do have people to come to my defense, though. It's kind of, they, they totally do. It's not fair. It's like, this is my show. Who is this Super Don guy? And why do you love him so much? <laughs> so yes we have a good time with that look forward to seeing you there oh, yeah we'll um, be doing that and it, you, you still have time to sign up yep and uh red pill expo is coming up did you update the links that i sent to you on red pill yeah so the okay. new link is up on the red pill expo and they have an ability to stream it live so you don't have to be there but i'd love to see you there there's gonna be a lot of awesome people coming to uh the salt palace convention center 12 13th of november I'm still working behind the scenes. If I can make the Clay Clark reawaken America tour event in something, Missouri, uh, um, Branson, Branson, Missouri. got a block on that. I don't know. I'm, I'm having trouble figuring out this dude. I was looking at that event that, uh, they're having, uh, they're at the red acre, um, farm mm -hmm. thing that they're doing there. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a sponsorship opportunity there that I, I think maybe we ought to at least take a look at. Okay. Um, cause you can get a booth for like a hundred bucks. Oh, okay. And that would be cool if you could broadcast from there. We right? could support them and broadcast from there. You know, support that if you were broadcast from there, as far as like, you know, like a trade type thing, but yeah, yeah that's possible too. That might be kind of fun. I, I agree. That would be amazing. Right. Uh, also, uh, we've been invited down to believe it or not, the LA San Diego area in December. Like, I don't know. It's the 16th through the 22nd. So it's before Christmas. So any of our friends down there, you want to reach out and say, here I am. We're down there. Love to see you. Um, there may be some unofficial things going on and, you know, down there, we'll be doing some remote broadcasts, maybe from San Diego, overlooking the Pacific ocean, which would be kind of cool. Thanks to believe it or not. Yes. One of our awesome patron members, supporters making incredible things happen. Really cool things happening. So just planting some seeds out there as we always do. Now we're all farmers. <laughs> oh well we're eating good anyway yeah so all right we're going to take a break soon because again yep. we got our ama and then um i got what sarah k grace was on that was a fun interview honestly that was really cool about the energies and the things that you know those are the things honestly admit it super don you would cringe before shows like that, knowing that we've got a psychic paramedic coming on the Robert Scott Bell show, admit it, right? You're like, Oh, so much anymore, but yeah, there was a time I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yes. But, but they usually, maybe every time they come out pretty awesome. When we get to discuss things that are like far out of the realm of where super Don would say, well, I got my handle on that. Right. And yet it ends up there being there. There's always some element of pragmatism and practicality to things that are considered maybe sometimes very esoteric. And I thought it was very, very good. What she had to share Sarah Kate race today. And then learning about Symbria Patterson and her daughter, I was thinking she's going to be a 10 year old daughter, but now she's 17 years later. So she's got a lot of experience. 27. We'll have her on talking about 
more of what she's done. I'm inspired, so inspired by what her daughter has done. That's going to be cool. Yeah, we'll get we'll definitely get her on. All right. So what else we got coming up uh, this week? Wednesday, Thursday, we've got live in studio shows. We got to figure out Friday because I'm flying to Austin, Texas to hang out with uh, Andy Wakefield for the weekend for a project he's yeah. doing. No worries. We can always okay. come up with something for Friday. Okay. Um, so tomorrow I've got, a, I've got an hour one, Melissa O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Now I think Melissa O'Connor is associated with uh, Miguel Rodriguez. Hmm. And she is putting on an event coming up called the Freedom Revival. Okay. Um, Do you know where that's going to be? It's going to be uh, in San Diego, Waterfront Park. Oh, but it's like too soon. I'm not going to be down there for that, probably. Yeah, no, it's coming up on the 29th. And okay. So I believe that is what that's going to be about. If you remember, we had um, we had Miguel Rodriguez on the show. Yes. And so I think they they work together and they're 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 as part of the same organization. So it looks like she's booked for tomorrow. In hour one, we will not have Ty Bollinger tomorrow. So we do have hour two open. I've reached out to uh, Jamie and Joe mm-hmm. to see whether they can make it. I haven't gotten a response. Okay. Um, but every time there's an opportunity, I throw it out there for them because we'd like to get them. We still need to get them on for this month. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so, so everybody we'll remember RSB 15, all the discount. Oh, show the, the sales they got this month, October for really great products, including that uh, UTI formula that they have. And that's like an ongoing issue for some. So that would be a great thing to take advantage of, get that RSB fit, their their UT cleanse formula, more ingredients, same value, same, more value, same price. And you get that RSB 15, you get 15% off at nutritional tiers. This is where you want to take advantage of that right here. Right. Yeah. Look at all those things on sale at 15 already. Those are all 15% off. So you get the 15 that they're doing Mm -hmm. and then 15% 15% with the promo code. Yeah. So US, yeah, I'm sorry, UT Cleanse, Thyro Complete, Iodine Plus, Estro Cleanse, Beauty Complete, Women's Complete, all 15% off, including Shake of the Month, Neato Keto. <laughs> and you use the code RSB15, you get an additional 15 off. So look at that. There you go. Way to go. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, for the uh, AMA here in about an hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that want to join us and have a good time um for those of you that are not going to be there we'll be back tomorrow with our regular scheduled programming Mm -hmm. and uh, appreciate you being here yeah thank you so very much spicy 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 get ready i gotta see who wins the the that's gonna be brave enough to win the uh, million scoville right sauce yeah that's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ama y'all hope you join i'll see you soon All right. We'll see you guys later.